Hello and welcome to 250, your weekly podcast looking at the IDB's top 250 movies of all time. I'm Darren. Uh, je m'appelle Andrew. Et je m'appelle Philippe. Uh, and you can tell which side of the colonial divide that we are sitting on, obviously, from that. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> not. This week we are covering uh, Gillo Ponte Corvo. Oh, Shall I... Nailed it. <laughs> Got it in Shall one. Shall I do this? Uh, uh, yes, yes. Gillo Ponte Corvo. Uh, his Battle of Algiers, or Le Bat... La bataille d'Algiers. Le Baba. His the nineteen sixty six Italian film taking a look at the French battle to uh, retain control of Algiers, uh, which is in the midst of a revolution um, at the time. It is regarded as one of the best movies of all time. Obviously, being featured on the list, it was number two hundred forty seven when we landed on it using the random number generator. It has since actually dropped out. But it's one of those movies that sort of haunts the bottom of the list. That's constantly coming in, uh, constantly coming out. It's it's sort of it's it's you know it's in out it's in out and shakes it all about along with say Dog Day Afternoon or, or the Help or no the Help the Help <laughs> hangs on in there. I so, just I just said that to to uh, just to bilk you, Darren. Somehow, against all odds, like the Help has managed to hang on around the two forties. Like even the Imitation Game is gone. Thank heavens. But uh, yeah, Battle of Algiers is one of those films that's sort of been ha- been around the bottom of the 250 for quite a great deal of time. And which sort Gangs of, co- of Wasipur. Uh, yeah, there's another one that comes in. Uh, uh, Akira. And Karnets. Yeah. Uh, they, although I haven't seen that in a while. Akira is also another one that sort of comes in and goes out as it, as it does. The Black Pearl. And so I was actually really, really happy when we landed on this because it's a film that I always wanted to watch and always wanted an excuse to watch. Uh, because Lord knows that, uh, you know, we're all so busy that we still don't have time to watch movies we actually enjoy. But I wanted an excuse to watch it because I'd heard great things about it. I'd heard it was a massively influential film. I'd heard, obviously, its its cult, its reputation that had built over a large amount of time. So, like, to, to give an example of the Battle of Algiers, like, it was uh, famously nominated for Best Foreign Films at the Oscar in 1968. It was then nominated for Director and Screenplay in 1969. Mm-hmm. It opened the New York City Film Festival in 1967. It was presented at the trial of a number of prominent Black Panther members during the 70s as a statement to the audience about revolutionary movements. Mm -hmm. Uh, The torture scenes were cut from British and American releases of the film. It was banned in France until 1971 and condemned by Jean-Marie Le Pen because of course it was. At the same time, it's hugely influential as a piece of cinema. It's a a film that has influenced, for example, to pick uh, Christopher Nolan to pick an arbitrary example, screened this uh, for his cast and crew on both The Dark Knight Rises and Dunkirk in order to create a sense of what he wanted to do with those particular films. I know Nicholas Winding Refn is probably less liked by the other two members of this panel than myself, but he's also cited that as a massive influence. Jim Sheridan. I, 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 I mean, I like um, Nicholas Winding Refn fine, but there's something kind of just missing from his movies <laughs> for me. Yeah, uh, I think I'd concur with that, though I do love Drive. And Jim Sheridan, for example. They're, like, fantastically stylish movies. Indeed. Anyway, Jim. Sorry, Jim. (laughs) Get back to Jim. Um, Jim Sheridan recently has discussed it as a formative influence on him at the IFI, for example. Mm. It's a film with a huge pop cultural footprint that's sort of left a mark and is frequently discussed. I mean, we have a Blu-ray edition here, which includes, like, a list of famous directors who are, like, introducing special features on it, including Phil has the DVD to have here. Well, this is your edition, which has uh, featurettes featuring Ken Jim Paul Greengrass. Which is meanwhile, yeah. I have my Criterion edition, which features uh, interviews with Steven Soderbergh, Mira Nair, 
uh, Spike Lee, Oliver Stone, and it's and Julian Schnabel. It's uh, any director you can think of that's probably in, been influenced by this in some way. And it's remarkable because I, I hadn't seen it, but I feel watching so it. This is why you want to watch, see yeah. what the fuss was about. But also see what the fuss was about, but also to see retroactively. I can see a lot of this in, in the movies that follow. In particular, it's interesting to cite Paul Greengrass, for example. There's a lot of that in the handheld movement, the more intimate portrayal of like a sort of a larger story being told. Yeah, you think things. of Bloody Sunday and the, yeah. see, the scenes of violence and that. That's all, you can trace all that back to Battle of Algiers. But uh, basically, what happened, Phil, we're, we're very glad to have Phil on discussing this. Um, at least because I can pronounce stuff. Yeah, that, that's your primary <laughs> role here. Um, most guests are on the podcast for their insights. Paul's here, as, not Paul, sorry, uh, Phil is here for his pronunciation. Uh, Paul Greengrass is that's not actually here right now. the pronunciation of Phil. It is. Uh, I got the beginning, the first and last letters right. You know, you're the only person who actually calls me Phil. Oh. Because I allow it to be so. Because you permit it. Yes. I, anybody else? If anybody else, else ever asked me, did anyone call you Phil? <laughs> Not twice. <laughs> but uh, also, you're on the podcast because when we have guests on, we ask them to give like lists of films that they want to talk about. Um, and obviously, we will occasionally ask guests who we feel have an area of expertise or whatever. But you came back and, and this was featured very prominently on the list of films that if it ever came up, mm-hmm. you would like to talk about. So what is it about the Battle of Algiers that like... When did you first see it? When did it hold your attention? And what is it that you love about it so much? Um, I first saw it uh, when I was in college. And I was just held wrapped. It was Well, it was mostly just by the, the crowd scenes and the scenes of violence and bombings. Because one of the big selling points, I suppose for lack of a better term for this film, is that there is not one single shot that is that hasn't been staged. It's all... Like the they thing about it, the... they think they included that, say, in on some American prints because some of it is so convincing that people could mistake it for documentary footage or just footage of actual events. It's not. It's all been staged. So every bombing, every street riot, every scene of uh, just any, even the scenes of torture. Okay. It's not obviously torture, but still, you know, they have to replicate it to make it look as such. And it's all very convincing and it's all very powerful. And it, I think that's the reason I like this film is that it can, it reminds you what cinema can show you and the things it can make you think and feel. I'm not a, I'm not a particularly political person, as you would attest, Darren, but as far as this goes... Um, there's just something about its its commitment to its uh, to its style, in that it blends documentary style with a narrative, and you just never see those really effectively blended anymore. It's very few directors who can pull it off. Paul Greengrass maybe to a certain extent, but by and large, um, it's just not something you see that's done very effectively anymore. Because it does have, it has an incredible amount of authenticity to it. And we'll probably talk a bit more when we get to the spoiler zone about how it was constructed and how it came together. Because the behind-the-scenes story of how it was produced is absolutely fascinating. And it kind of plays into that blurring of the line between what's real and what's not. And, mm. and sort of the, the cultural context of it. But it, it is remarkable. Like, you pointed out again that, like, audiences seeing this in America when it was first released there actually had to have title cards coming up beforehand saying, not one frame of this is real. This has all been staged, which is 
astonishing that you have to put that in front of a movie. It's it's the equivalent of the, the Law and Order card saying this is not based on true events, except it's this is not actually true events, which is, is astounding. Mm. Uh, like, well, there it is. That's that's kind of my point. You know, this, they look so convincing and so it's so well produced, perhaps a little rough around the edges, uh, but in terms of what's going on on screen at any one time, it's rarely less than engrossing and convincing. Andrew, had you seen this before? No, this was my uh, this was my first time seeing it. Um, see, this is what I always enjoy if I'm on this. See, if either of you have seen it before, and I haven't actually got your opinions on it so far, so I'm keen to hear this. Yeah, um, you, you you might be disappointed. I did not like it. Um, yeah, and I I I accept I accept some like most, if not all, of what 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 Phil said. I I, I would say it's quite rough around the edges in parts. You might kind of give 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 it a pass on that, but I I suppose a lot of the strength of this movie is in the uh, kind of technical accomplishments of it. And there's, there's, there's kind of technical deficiencies in that same movie. So the, 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 um, I mean, I, I, I can appreciate the, 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 the kind of, um, accomplishment for the reasons that, that, that Phil laid out, but it's, it's not, um, it's, it's, it's not, it's not faultless in that respect. And I, 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 and I didn't enjoy it as a a a movie. Mm. I didn't right. I didn't like it. I, I don't I don't think I, I I think I wrote down. I think I hate this movie. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm I'm reading Andrew's notes over his shoulder here, and there's a little note at the start about the restoration on the Blu-ray edition that I have. And Andrew Andrew's <laughs> yeah. written restoration dash do not care. Yeah. Because uh, right. there, there was a title card where it's like... Well, that was exclusively this, for this DVD yeah. edition. Oh, yeah. It was for the Blu-ray edition. And it's like, hey... Uh, like, the, it strikes me as a filmmaker's film. But for... for uh, Like, you, you've, you've spoken about the amount of directors who found this really seminal and important. And I can certainly see parts of, I guess, Dunkirk and, and, and I, I, I think Greengrass is a good shout. I can see why Ken Loach um, liked this a lot. And I can see some of the kind of footprint of 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 of, of this movie on some of those uh, movie makers, um, and and they 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 but they they had uh, very much to that audience. They had a title card explaining that that this was a um, and it, it, it was um, that this restoration was taken using. Um, Using uh, material from from this place and 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 from another, they had um, dubbed and mixed. They had edited and um, they had used some of the um, with Algerian the yeah the yeah French with cup. the permission of Gelo Pontecorvo. And I was I don't care. I'm 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 at the point where the movie is about to start and I'm buying into it. This is obviously not for me because this is for somebody who's seen the movie before. And 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 already is 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 buying into the Im- importance um, of 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 this movie. If I'm not, if I don't enjoy the movie, I don't care how what what lengths they made they went to 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 make this particular cut of it. Well, I mean, I okay. must remember to listen back to the Stalker episode. That reminds me. <laughs> on that yeah. note. I mean, Stalker was per 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 perhaps more. Um, 
there was perhaps more happening with 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 Stalker. I there 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 was to be clear parts that I liked about this movie. I just thought I would like it a lot more, and I simply didn't. Okay, there, there, was, there was, I think his rep precedes it. Yeah, I mean, like because I saw the trailer and I was like, I I I was quite excited about it, and 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 I suppose. I, I suppose we can talk we can talk a little bit I, I, I don't want to I don't want to be kind of um, too too harsh in the movie because as I say there were a lot of things I liked but equally there were lots of things that I simply didn't enjoy I, I, I feel like if 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 a movie is going to be as esteemed um, as this one is then it, 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 it would need to kind of come with with with, with um, it's a not, warning yeah, yeah. Um, I there were there were there were enough parts of this movie that didn't kind of um, work for me. Where where if if I suppose we saw 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 a movie earlier on today that I was just really impressed with, and and couldn't fault. And 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 this movie, while I was impressed with it, I could fault. It. Um, in 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 a lot of ways. I but mean, I, I, I don't want I don't want to be overly negative. Darren, Darren what what did you? Well, actually, I think what you're saying there is kind of interesting in, in several levels. And that, first of all, I think you make an interesting point about this being a filmmaker's film in many respects. And I think it's, it is telling that a lot of the praise comes from directors who've been influenced in incorporated style. And I think you're right that that is not necessarily enough of itself. But I think it's worthy of discussion. I think it's valid. Yeah. And I think what this does is incredible. Second of all is, I don't agree with you entirely that, like... I don't think that this is just nice packaging on something. I think there's a lot going on in Battle of Algiers that's interesting, intriguing, compelling. I mean, the fact that it was the IRA that screened this. I don't think I said yeah. it was okay. just nice packaging. I, 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 I just did for what what I what I mean by I guess not 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 enough going on is that there were there were ele- elements that that make a great picture that weren't kind of um, present here. Do you, if I, do you mind if I ask, or are they sort of spoiler? Are they are they broad points, or are they no, very specific? I mean, or I, I felt like tonally, there, there, there. Um, I, I, I suppose maybe maybe a large part of it is that movies kind of like uh, create these expectations in the audience that this movie didn't deliver, and maybe that's um, someone could argue that that's the strength of of the movie. But for me, the the those are things the movie lacked. There was no. Well, I mean, there were, there were, there were, there Are you possibly alluding to the fact that, and again, this isn't going to get too specific in case you haven't seen this, but yeah. the fact that it doesn't necessarily have a mo- the most linear or progr- like organic sort of story yeah. in terms there's, of how it's structured. There's, it is quite uh, loosely structured. Its narrative is not is it's, not always clear. Its characters it's very, are not always. I think the characters are there, structured. but they're there's, not articulated. The characters are not the priority. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, problem there there aren't there aren't really there isn't there isn't great uh, character building. Uh, there's a lot of things that happen that don't seem to push any uh, plot forward. Don't seem to heighten any stakes or build any tension. Where you're having kind of. Um, action scenes that that are 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 different from the other action scenes but are not kind of not not substantially different to change kind of how you feel about what's going on in the movie and not and 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 don't really connect one scene to 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 another necessarily okay i would i would agree with the point and disagree with the criticism if that makes sense i would say the film you're right that the and I think I think the film doesn't really have a very clear, very easy narrative, and I think 
very it's, little context as well. Consi- that, that's actually, considering as well that this this is an historical movie where the the the, I mean, again, this might be more a strength of a movie than than a um, criticism, but it doesn't really make it very clear how, to me anyway, how I should feel about all of this. I think that's a like I don't think that's a flaw of the movie. I don't think it it needs to be didactic. I think like, and it's telling that this is a film that has been screened by like both the IRA. And by the Pentagon. It's a film that has been sort of screened by revolutionary and counter-revolutionary forces worldwide. Perhaps for and different reasons, though. I think Presumably very, so. Hopefully for very different reasons. But I think the the issue, though, is that... And this is, this is always fascinating because we, we kind of talk about this when we talk about war movies, right? Which is that movies that are about war... And this is Truffaut's classic argument that it's impossible to make an anti-war movie because the... you Because know, you have to show a war, the acts of war. Well, depicting an act glorifies the act. But also it imposes... A, there's also an argument that it imposes a structure on it. Mm. And that imposing a structure on it imposes a narrative on it which imposes a value on it. So the idea is that, you know, your war movie depicts... You know, it has to depict... It comes what, with baggage. Basically. Yeah, it comes with baggage yeah. and stuff. And, I mean, and this one per, certainly does. Well, but, yeah, but like per, perhaps... Perhaps the um, if if you're getting at what what I think you're getting at, th- this is perhaps better as uh, being a war movie according to it's uh, sorry at being an anti-war movie yeah um, than ones that Truffaut might be thinking of. But I think it's 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 worse at being a movie. Well, be, that's, be, that's... Be, 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 because I think generally in a war movie you you have a sense of. Um, while 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 you might want the villains to have kind of like depth and 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 purpose, you 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 also want them to be villains, um and 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 you want your heroes to be heroes, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, where yeah. whereas whereas this movie is is um doesn't have that. It's not the, it's ambivalent. Not, yeah, well, that's an yes, and that's what people love about it, and that's one of the reasons I love the film is because. It doesn't. T- it doesn't draw a hard and fast line. Um, well, I mean, I think that there's some debate to be had on that, but we'll be well, yeah, exactly. spoiler zone. But yeah. I think, generally speaking, yeah, watching it, and I think maybe this is for me, and maybe this is why I liked it more than Andrew did, is because it basically presents war as something, and then this battle, the Battle of Algiers, in which the movie is, is you know, documenting in some respects, or dramatizing in other respects, depending on how you put it, is it takes this idea of warfare and basically refuses to impose a very clear structure on it. Like, you talked about the lack of mm. context. And I mean, this is one of the things that people argue about over the film's politics and stuff. It's like, which events does it choose to include? Which events does it choose to exclude? It, For example, doesn't uh, it doesn't look at, say, the pressure that was happening in France, the March for Algiers, which led to something like 50 bodies being thrown in the Seine, mm. which would have been a nice bit of context for the film. It doesn't well, provide a sort a of a... It's a movie. Yeah. Like, it, it's not... It's not, um, it's like, not going to include yeah. everything. This it's, is, not, it's not Ken Burns's Battle of Algiers no. like, that runs yeah. Yeah, ten, ten this, this hours long. Like this is like what we said when we uh, recorded Amadeus uh, yeah. a while back, and that you know you'd rather have a uh, a good movie than uh, a and, factually and, correct and, one. And, and I think, but I think that there's a point in the chaos here, and there's a point mm. in the lack of structure, and the movies. Well, like generally, war is not a structured thing anyway. I mean, and that's one of the things. Like, I mean, when we talked about recently about Full Metal Jacket, myself and yeah. Andrew did. And I, like one of the central tensions for me with Full Metal Jacket is that Kubrick and Kubrick, like as a filmmaker, one of his big recurring themes is this idea of creating these lovely, like ordered, structured, symmetrical, beautiful pieces of work 
about how chaotic and random and arbitrary the world is. And Full Metal Jacket is, is in some ways the epitome of that because it's literally, it's Vietnam. It's something that doesn't make sense. It's a, yeah. it's a war and it's chaotic. And yet he's, he's also creating this structure so the chaos seems almost fractal mm. in some respects. Yeah, I love the structure of Full Metal Jacket. It's, 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 to, use, to borrow football and cliche, it's a film of two halves. And then there's sort of a symmetry there, but the and like symmetry you're, you're, you're trying to impose symmetry on something that really shouldn't have it, you know, yeah. soldiers and warfare in the first half. And then the second, it's it's all blown to hell. Yeah. yeah. And to use another football cliche, oh, he's doing very well here. He's assembling his gun quite uh, quite well. <laughs> he's, he's an excellent marksman. Danger here. <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, but anyway. But back to Sorry. Battle of Algier is that it feels like, it feels like it, basically jump straight to the smashing of the structure in some respects and i Which is, admire yeah. that about it I, I actually really really appreciate that about it the fact Into that it, the deep end it feels chaotic it feels arbitrary Andrew, andrew's is. right when he says like the film doesn't tell you who to root for it doesn't even really have yeah. like, thank and, heavens we're yeah. we're smart we're intelligent capable adults we don't well, need to be told it's not even that we're intelligent capable adults i think you can come to the film with several different opinions and come out andrew pointed think, out like the ira and the pentagon probably screen it for different reasons you know this is supposed to be andreas bader's favorite film interesting as in, as in bad the leader of the bad you now. know i i think wow. the, the perfect way probably to see this movie is to um immediately talk about it because they, 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 they like like the way we're doing. Because I feel like the more we're talking about it, the more I kind of like I'm um, challenging myself a little bit about the um, presumptions about what a what a war movie is. Um, and and it's it's yeah, and it it it, it, it it's it's I guess to the, to 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 the strength of the movie that it is challenging. But I I think I I suppose. If you're if you're looking if you're looking to come to a movie and to just be satisfied by it, which is I think what 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 we can sometimes seek from from movies. from from movies per se. And this, there's nothing wrong. Uh, this, nothing wrong for that. But I think the Battle of Algiers is do not that. the film. Not that kind of movie no. at all. No. And I, I would agree with that. I think we're all. But if you want to be challenged, yeah. Oh yeah. And and even if you're just sort of curious and you want to see a lot of this sort of. How like if you watching it even even if the structure of the story doesn't make sense to you even if you dislike like the the fact that the characters aren't really characters so much and you know I think there are characters there oh, they're there but you have to dig and they're not the priority as Phil pointed out but even if even if that stuff will put you off I think there's something very interesting in just watching it and not necessarily even just from like a filmmaking point of view as as you know sort of Andrew pointed out in terms of technique in terms of craft in terms of like. Phil pointed out it, its depictions of chaos are amazing. And even today, they hold up remarkably well. Like, even the torture scenes. And the torture scenes, this is a movie released in 1966. It got a mainstream release. It was nominated for Oscars. It was never going to be like a, a bloodbath. It was never even going to compare to, say, in terms of visceral gore, what you see in Zero Dark Thirty. No. But it's really unsettling. And it's creepy, and it's really uncomfortable, yeah. and, and as it's soon unpleasant. As, yeah, and as soon as we, we watched it, and I, those scenes came up, all I could think was, well, that's, there's the influence of Zero Dark Thirty. You can, those opening scenes in that film, which caused so much uh, controversy at the time, it's like it's history repeating itself, because, of course, this film caused its share of controversy when it came out so, nearly 50 years before. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of it holds up really well. And, like, in fairness, there are particular scenes in the movie that... And, again, this is a film that was made more than 50 years ago. But there are particular scenes in the movie where that, that feel very... That speak to this cultural moment and speak to things that we're reading about in the news. And it's amazing to think, because we think of... 
And again, this is probably a cliche, and I'm speaking for myself more than I'm speaking for Phil, because Phil obviously has a much greater knowledge of international cinema and the history of cinema. But when you think mm-hmm. of... This is a sweet, sweet spot for Phil, because it's it's a it's a French movie. Well, it's, it's Italian, a, actually. Oh, well, Italian and Nigerian. In French, yeah. Yeah. In, in French. In, yeah. Um, like it for, certainly for, isn't a French movie. <laughs> no, but for, 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 for a francophone, it, 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 it at least has um, a... Um, at least in part, uh, a, 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 a French, French connection, if you will. Um, oh, blimey! Uh, um, but the, the 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 other thing it has is music. Oh, the Ennio Morricone yeah. soundtrack. Which but is... we will get to that. Absolutely. Uh, all right, then. We're going to jump into the spoiler zone because I feel like because the film is the way it is, it's probably something we're going to talk about in bits and chunks and we're probably going to point to particular things and aspects of that's it. That's the way the film works, so why don't we? And I feel like that's probably what we're going to do. So we'll jump right in and we'll just sort of ask the three big questions, which are, do you think that this movie belongs on the 250? Would it be on your personal 250? And if the listener has not seen this movie already, should they pause the podcast Run out, watch it, and listen to us talk about it. Uh, so, if you're asking me those three questions, does it belong in the top 250? Yes. Where would it be in my personal 250? Uh, top 10. Really? Yeah. Of all time? Yeah. Nice. And uh, yes, you absolutely should pause it, if you have, pause us, if you haven't watched this already, because, you know, we're about to talk about it. So, off you go. Uh, Heaven's sake. Context, people. Andrew, for the uh, for the opposite viewpoint. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't know if it's the opposite, but it, yeah, it was. Yeah. enthusiastic. For, 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 for the sake of the podcast, yeah, you can go to half. Uh, what are you talking about? That's a ludicrous. Uh, no, no. Um, the Darren will be moving to sit between <laughs> Andrew and Phil for the rest of the podcast. No, yeah, I, 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 I certainly under, understand why it might be on the, on, on the top two, 250 movies of all time. Uh, for me, it wouldn't be on mine. Not certain. Not certain. It should be. It should be under two fifty. But um, whether I whether I would recommend people to go out and see it, I'd say like just know what you're know maybe what you're going to get. I think it's I think very we've, hard we've, to prep you for what you're going to get. Though. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but, but like we've touched you know what on you're this, not going to get. The, the, this isn't this isn't necessarily like a, a, a movie that's going to satisfy you in the kind of immediate way that, that, yeah, but, that you know, movies I, often do. To be fair, though, it's called The Battle of Algiers. It's not exactly... It doesn't scream happy, happy, joy, joy, does it? Well, I mean, I mean, Zulu is like a movie that's about a battle, but it's much, 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 much more conventional in terms yeah. of structure. Yeah, so this, what you're saying is this needs more Michael Caine. Everything needs more Michael Caine. Well, I can't oh, argue with that. Come on, imagine, like, imagine the French are in trouble... You know, Colonel Matau arrives now, as excuse- Michael Caine wearing now, sunglasses. Excuse me. If you think the French should stay in Algeria, you have to be prepared to accept the consequences. Come on, tell me that's not a much more crowd-pleasing movie. Because um, we keep this up, they're going to blow all our bloody doors off. Um, My pers- impersonation has gone way off the rails. There. Oh, don't worry. We may have an excuse to fix that coming up. But uh, that's that's for a few weeks in the future. Um <laughs> For my own opinion, interestingly enough, Darren is going to sit on the fence and split the difference here. I think it absolutely 110% belongs. Right that fence. I know. That fence is, is going to buckle, baby. But uh, <laughs> And the, it's usually me. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I will say I think it entirely belongs on the 250. I think it's a unique enough film, an influential enough film, a film with a large enough cultural footprint that it... I, I get that. Um, sorry, sorry. Go on. And I, I think that it sort of, it deserves to be seen and talked about, to be put in a context where it is acknowledged. Um, and I think that even if it maybe 
doesn't offer a viewer like a satisfying experience. I think that that's not all that cinema can do. I don't think I don't think cinema's wrong when it does, but I also don't think it's the only thing that film does is to offer you like a satisfying even narrative, but a, like a an experience that comforts you as opposed to challenges you. So I think it's perfectly reasonable to have it on there. Would it be on my two fifty? I've only seen it once, so I'm I'm reluctant to commit. I probably lean towards maybe no, but I. Again, leaning into the next question, I would absolutely 110% recommend that you go see this movie. Mm. Um, if you haven't seen it already, I think it's a fascinating example of what cinema can do that isn't necessarily in the conventional, this is what we think cinema is box. In that, And it's, you know, it's experimental, but it's experimental in a way that I think is accessible to modern audiences in large part because... A lot of what it's done has been incorporated by directors who have pulled that more towards something more accessible. Like, so Dunkirk, to pick an example, is a film that borrows a lot of the storytelling and a lot of the experimental aspects of this film, but does it in a way that is much more conventional and accessible. So I think that that then, ironically, to modern audiences, provides like a nice stepping stone to watching something like this, which is much more abstract. Is, it, um, is, this, uh, is this before Toro Toro Toro? In 1968, I think Tor 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 came out. So yes, it would be. It would be yeah. just about beforehand. It, it, it feels like it probably had an influence on that as well. I think Tor 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 had its own issues behind the scenes, though, if I recall. That may explain its own sort of disjointedness. It was originally supposed to be a co-production with two directors handling each of the two halves of the story. And Kurosawa, if I remember correctly, was supposed to handle the Japanese half. Although Phil is I'm manning the, the fact... I'm on the fact machine. It's actually 1970... Okay. And has uh, three credited directors, Richard Fleischer, Kinji Fukasaku, and uh, Toshio Masuda. So I suspect that may explain the disjointedness. But yeah, I think there's probably an influence there. Um, I do like that it took three different directors making the same film right. to get this sort of chaotic, uh, or something approaching the chaotic vibe of Battle of Algiers. But yeah, I would say go out and watch this. Um, take, it, take a chance. I think it's very worth watching. I think that modern audiences will find, particularly if you are somebody who likes, say, the work of, of Paul Greengrass or the, the work of, say, Christopher Nolan, I think you'll find a lot there to recommend it. If you are interested in uh, politics and revolutionary politics, I think it's interesting from that point of view. I think that it doesn't necessarily offer any profound philosophical statements, but is very interesting as an example of how those politics work. I think, like, we haven't really talked about the political content of the film. I think we have to. Uh, and I think it's interesting in that respect. I don't think it's... When I say I think it's... I don't think it's particularly insightful. I think it's insightful and informative. But I don't think it's particularly new, deep, if that makes sense. If well, there's I a way that, to that distinguish... That might stem from its, um, its apparent refusal to perhaps take a side. But we will get into that, I think. Perfect. That might be a consequence of it. And this might be the perfect opportunity to get into it. So join us on the other side of the spoiler zone. <laughs> So, Phil, what is the Battle of Algiers about for you? And you can say Great Direction, if you want. Oh, um, oh now, that's, that'd be a cheap answer, a quick answer. See, every time, why does this always catch me out? I don't know. You're not the only recurring guest who gets caught out. It's, it's, it's like it, the experience is so traumatic, being I, asked I, the question, that you forget about it when I've you I've tried go. coaching uh, people, <laughs> like <laughs> telling them, oh, by the way, Darren's going to... Gonna ask you, but I don't know. Is it because we do the banter beforehand, we sort of soften you up, and then and the punch then the sucker punch comes, and it's here it is, right on schedule. I just I find it fascinating because, as I say, I'm not somebody who's particularly politically inclined um, when it comes to any kind of 
debate or conflict. I'd like to sit on the fence and hear what both sides have to say. Whereas this is a film that said that on the surface it looks like it's very much saying something about you know in that it feels like it might be tilted more one side than the other. But once you start to probe deeper, it it has more to say about the other side as well. And the conclusion you come away with is that nobody wins in this. That there is nothing really that can be said about all this conflict and this rebellion and insurrection that isn't going to leave a scar on pretty much everybody that's involved. And even in this day and age, even more than 50 years after it's been made, that feels like a shockingly fresh point of view. In fact, even more so now, because now we seem to be in an age where every stance seems to be more and more black and white. Every issue is more black and white. And yet here is a film that says, you know, you, both sides might have a bit more in common than they might like to admit. Yeah, because it, it, it is interesting because, and I, I guess I understand what, you, um, what you're saying about it, it, it because, about it being refreshing because... It's most people who who are politically minded like to like to take sides and mm-hmm. like to have kind of um, and it, it's very clear to know um, what side what side to to be on what side not to be on um, for 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 those people because mm-hmm. it, it 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 kind of goes into a, um, a like two camps a, a, a lot of the time yeah. and. Uh, um, and and this movie is interesting because it's it's two kind of um, in some ways oppressive ideologies coming up a, 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 a against each other. Yeah. And ni- ni- neither of them are, are, are truly kind of um, democratic or pr- protective of of the of, citizenry. Of, or the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, it, or of liberties. There's there's a certain amount. Of, there's there's coercion. There's it um, on on both sides. <laughs> um, and there, there's um, there's a minority that rules through terror and violence, and there's a minority that rules through terror and violence. Exactly. It's um, it there's two in the film. There are two scenes and two moments of dialogue that sum up the um, the entire philosophy of the film for me. So there's one point where, uh, in fact, you know, before we even get into that, just to like you say, it's tricky to talk about any kind of characters in this film because they're, it's not that they're not well drawn, it's just that they're, again, they're not the focus. But basically, we're talking about the Algerian War, which is uh, Algeria's attempts to free itself from French occupation. So this is from about from the early 50s, around 1952-53, up until around a decade 1960. later. It, yeah. it ends in 1960. With the film the, ends, and eventually, eventually the uh, Algerians secured their uh, independence from France in 1962. Which is interesting, because the end of the film is the only part of the film that has structure. Like The beginning of the film almost deliberately avoids having too much structure, providing too much context. And it's weird that the coda exists on the end of the film to say... Actually, Algiers got their independence. It feels. And, but it, it, yeah. I mean, because you've just seen the movie, you're like, um, uh, good. Like, <laughs> I'm, well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that they're not like killing each other anymore. But it, it, it's it, like it could easily like in ter- in terms of of, of of a structure, it feels like it, it easily could have ended with. Um, 
uh, for, for, for France as a colonial power finally granted the, the <laughs> kind of um, appropriate liberties to its colonial citizens and, and established some <laughs> form of home rule and, and like... And, the, and have the, it like a commonwealth almost. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, well, <laughs> from, from watching the movie, it's not immediately kind of a, a, apparent... Um, what what you're sort of rooting for, mm. and the the colonialism is 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 a very damaging philosophy. But likewise, is 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 this whole idea of nationalism? Well, and I fundamentalism would, and extremism. Fundamentalism, and the, the, the and there and all of those things come together in this film. Yeah. yeah, and funnily enough, I think the one solid thing to say about that you can really draw from Battle of Algiers is that colonialism is not, it, it is a damaging kind of point of view. Like, at the end of the day, whatever about uh, trying to argue about which side it's on, or what, well, not so much what side it's on, but what more perspective the what film perspective takes. the film takes. Um, but you couldn't say, it, it's certainly not pro-colonialism. It's like, colonialism is the root of the problem here. But the problem, but further on from that then... But that's created its own problems, exactly. which may have consequences that would be... Not necessarily equivalent or director one for one, but would be comparable to. And it's like you you have like the contrast of like the FNL, like banning drinking, alcohol, uh, prostitution, Mm. um, social interactions, which (laughs) it's an extremism. But but it's compared. That's compared with the French, you know, shutting down and cutting off the zone. They're talking about ensuring moral health. (laughs) Yeah, and they have this scene. It's it's where where there's this one drunk. Being chased through the streets by a whole lot of like, or, orphans, or urchins. urchins, yeah, yeah. yeah and it, it reminded me actually yeah. of it. Uh, did either of you ever in uh, primary school used to do the thing where, like, you might be in senior Welcome infants to down memory lane, <laughs> or, or in first class when 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 you go in, into the area where the where all the junior infants are and try to like fight twenty of them at the same time? No, we didn't. <laughs> you sick bastard! Andrew fun. rolls up his sleeves and it's like, okay. I mean, it, well, well, it wasn't much difference between us. There were maybe four. I might have been six. Like, but yeah, we used to see like how how how. How, how we'd each do. I, I like we. <laughs> like, make it sound like a competition. It's like, I got 20 of them. I got 22. Yeah, um, well, like, we'd, we'd, like, stand back and kind of, like, take an entire I suppose. <laughs> and the, the junior infants enjoyed it as well, because they got to, like, give, like, smacks with, like, sort of impunity. I, I, Can I, we I, point I, out I, that I, the Algerians did not necessarily enjoy having to yeah. engage with the French at, the, at this I'm level. now imagining the, the battle of senior <laughs> infants uh, with Andrew sort of in the role, with the sunglasses on, waiting, pausing for the paparazzi. But, I mean... But I, no one I, else has had this experience. But I, I think <laughs> but, that... Okay. Yeah, but the you're sorry, you're going to say no. I was just going to say that I think that there's the film is interesting in the way that it it kind of explores the weird connection that exists between colonialism and all that it has wrought. Like the film is, I think Phil's entirely right when the film like as much as the film strives for, and you put it in inverted commas balance. Uh, yeah. We'll probably talk a little bit about this later on. I'm not entirely sure how balanced the film is. Um, and I don't think that's a problem. I don't think that's a flaw. I think it's quite clear where the film's coming from and what it's yes. saying. But it, it at least superficially doesn't point out its heroes and its villains. Yes. And But at the same time, I think you're also entirely correct when you say that, like, it's also in no way an apology or endorsement of colonialism in that even the the other side of the debate, so to speak, the other side of this war, 
is a direct response to colonialism. It's like yeah, all the evils in this film, and they're you know whether or not which one's more evil, which one's less evil, can be laid at the foot of colonialism. So I think that the film is quite explicit in that. Yeah, but really? isn't it just so fascinating that the that for a film who's that that we're saying as structurally seems a bit loose, so effectively manages to uh, portray these contrast between the two sides so vividly i think that's maybe why it's so structurally because i think it's thematically it's the it's like its primary it's, construction is like on thematic lines to the yeah, point narrative where, comes later narrative comes later the point where like andrew was talking about how you have these sorry to talk over your answer to present no. to talk for you but you're talking earlier about how you had these scenes that didn't seem to really escalate the, the drama where you'd have these things happen and then other things happen and it didn't always feel like things were getting worse or progressing in a linear manner or that the plot was moving forward but yeah. what that seemed to suggest to me was, first of all, like the futility of all the violence. But second of all, this idea of what Matau describes as the vicious circle. And, you know, the, the idea that violence begets violence begets violence. And that the violence that violence begets doesn't necessarily move anybody closer to, you know, the end or closer to accomplishing what they set out to do. It just leads to more resentment and more violence and more rage. And like that's a thematic point rather than a plot point. So it doesn't... It doesn't structure the film plot-wise. It doesn't make it make sense. But it, it plays into, like, a recurring and core theme of the film that we're watching. It Like, it makes... It it fits with what the film's saying, even if it doesn't help the film make a, a kind of a, a plot or a story or help the film tell a narrative, a singular narrative. Yeah. No, it certainly doesn't. Um, um, and and the, the... I guess... That's that's what you kind of come to movies in part for to to tell stories, and 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 I I, I guess this 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 either doesn't do that or does it in a way that we're really not used to movies doing. But anyway, sorry, Phil was talking about two scenes in particular yeah, that he so, thought summed up so the. the I mean, we got a bit <coughs> sort of sidetracked. Reason I laid into that because of course this there's this certain lack of structure maybe around characterizations, but there's two scenes, one involving two of the leaders of the Algerian resistance and one involving the leader of the French occupying powers or one of their leaders. But anyway, the first one is between a dialogue between uh, two of the leaders, Ali Lapointe and uh, Ibrahim uh, Jafar. Uh, Jafar is incidentally played by Saadi Yassef, who yes. wrote the book on which this is uh, based and was one of the leaders in the resistance himself. Surprising, we, we, surprising how good he was in this. As Very convincing. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to put a pin in that and come back to that because I think that's that's a large part of what the film is. Mm. Uh, but we'll, we'll we will come back, back to it. But anyway, there's a scene about halfway through the film where the two are talking, and uh, Jafar says to Lapointe, "It's hard to start a revolution, even harder to maintain it, and hardest of all to win it. But only after that, then, do the real difficulties come." And then you contrast that with. An interview that has been is done. Is that not uh, Mahidi? Yeah, that is. I, I believe that's not Jafar. I think oh, was it not? Yeah. Oh, oh I beg your pardon. It's the gentleman who hangs himself in the set, who hangs himself in inverted commas. All right, you are. I uh, sincerest apologies, and I claim to be a fan. Yes, it is. But the second uh, part, uh, second bit of dialogue in the film that I wanted to link to that is um, an interview that's been given by uh, Colonel Mathieu, played by Jean Martin, the only professional actor in the film. 
Yeah. And primarily a theatre actor as well. Yes. So, um, well, lending Pon- to the film's authenticity, I believe. Pontecorvo just liked that he conveyed a sense of authority. Yeah. Which I guess was where the theatrical training came in. But and lots of inappropriate smoking. Oh, and- lots of that. Because <laughs> he's a French character. So how do we communicate his French? It's a wonder he didn't try and shove it into the mouth of an Algerian <laughs> baby, to be honest. And in some ways, in some ways it, it maybe makes sense that he's the um, established actor because a lot, a lot of what he brings to the movie is what you would kind of um, maybe um, expect or hope for in a conventional movie. He adds some humor. Hmm. Um, he he he's um, he anchors scenes. His dialogue is, is yeah. much more. His delivery he's, is he's, more he's basically a form of authority yes. in the film. Yeah. He imposes very, structures, which, which is what the French want. For from their army anyway yeah. and it's what the and the film benefits from it as well he's he is just seems to stand out in his authoritarian just he has this bearing about him yeah with his sunglasses his the, cigarette yeah, and the, the fact that he's constantly being standing standing around being photographed by the press yeah that that is one of the enduring images of the film is him leading these troops down the street as they arrive into Algiers their first day in 1957 uh, to try and take back control of the Casbah but he has this uh, he has this line during one of his interviews with the press where he says, you have to ask yourself this question. Do you, must France remain in Algeria? Si vous pouvez répondre encore oui, il faut accepter toutes les conséquences nécessaires. If you say yes, you have to deal with what comes with that. And I think that's interesting because that kind of puts the context of the movie, they like, puts the context for the violence outside the scope of the movie because it, it says basically... This is a debate that has happened outside. This is something that people have thought about outside the confines of the situation that they're in. The situation that we're in is simply dealing with this reality that yeah. we've been given. Yes, yeah. like it's the the two sides there are saying we are going to fight this regardless of how much is going to hit the fan, and that it's it's shockingly fatalistic once you start to think about it from it, both sides. It is very big. Interestingly enough, we'll probably talk about this. The films. Um, the, the argument that the film is neutral or, or perfectly balanced, uh, which is it's something that pops up where you mm. know people argue because it doesn't make Matau like a comic book villain in some respects, and that it allows it him could a great, have. it could have, but it allows him a great deal of philosophy. And like as you, that's scene with that you pointed to is is one great example. But the discussions that he has with the press, where he's talking about like the philosophy and the fact that look, he's he's doing what he's he's like he, the job he's been assigned to do by people who are far more important than him. His job is to carry that out, and at the same time, it's obviously sympathetic to the uh, the Algerians who have like, usually see, sympathetic. He admires yeah. them. Yeah, he openly mm. acknowledges that he admires them, even after it's implied that he had one of them murdered in their cell. Yeah. But there's and and there's this sort of thing that runs through the film makes it perfectly clear that like their experiences are just as valid. Like we we follow uh, Laponte, one of the the members of the group from like his early days as a street hustler to like his growing resentment of the French colonial forces in snapshots. Now it's not a clear perfect character, it's not, but like, and it doesn't really it doesn't really present a very convincing case of of of. Of why he became radicalized, the, the, but I the, don't think it has leader. to. I think you could take most any revolutionary leader in so many causes, and you would find they might have a similar backstory. You might find that just resentments through being basically screwed over by their by any given how, system. How how compelling is it if it's so shallow, or is it is it just that it doesn't need to be compelling? I find it I find it immensely compelling. I mean, just because 
I think it's the weight of I think it's the weight of the events that occur after. It's I, I think it's the I think it's the shock and the violence of what they bring to proceedings that uh, makes it uh, that makes it compelling. Like, yeah, okay, he's he's coming from a background that isn't steadily established. But again, his background doesn't really matter in this so, context. So he's so he's a criminal, oh. right? He's doing the kind of um, tree card uh, hustle, the famous yeah. like find the lady. Yeah, and and then he's in prison. Yeah. Okay. Then he see he sees um, he witnesses he, the execution wit- by guillotine. He witnesses oh. an execution of of one of the leaders of the FLN mm. uh, by guillotine. Comes out of prison. He's uh, decided to join the FLN. Mm. They ask him to shoot a, 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 police, a, officer. a police officer. Yeah, this is a fantastic and, bit. Oh, yeah, it's a fantastic Tricks bit. But yeah. like, he, he's like, um, oh, not not the... Um, not the informer. Not the informer. No, the, the police officer. So he's like, okay. And, and, and he has no compunction about it. In fact, like, he, he, he goes from being somebody who's, who's doing the, the uh, three-card draw... And is to like a member of the Supreme Army Council, yeah, to to being asked to shoot a police officer, to shooting a police, to to attempting to shoot a police officer, Hmm. and I mean, so that's his 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 journey. I I I can feel I I understand the sort of criticism there that it doesn't show every step along the way, but I also understand. But I don't think those steps took place. I think you watch the movie and you think, okay, like he there, I don't think there is. I don't think it's just that we're not meant to see that 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 we haven't seen the depth um, or the finer points uh, or, or the finer points. Like it 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 it, it almost beca- because it shows so little. And I and if you're doing a film, you can you can reveal a lot uh, with 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 very little generally if you're if you're a good storyteller. But we we get a, the impression from uh, Ali Lapointe that there is no real depth to his to his convictions there's cer- there's 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 certainly a, a a strength to his convictions in that he he will die and he, he will also let other people die um because he's decided um and he will kill and he will um there the the there is nothing that the 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 ability to hold strong opinions is is the thing that um, that seems to be admired by by Colonel Matthew? I don't know why that on its own is 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 enough um, to to be admired. Because I mean, it's, it's very it's enough it's, to be admired. I think because it's enough to actually for, make you commit these actions, commit these crimes, to you know blow up a cafe, to shoot at police officers, whatever. You know the convictions enough. Uh, okay, you what? might. Why? Why not? I mean, sorry. Why? Know. Why not? Why? Why not kill a police officer? Why not blow up a cafe? I mean, why? I mean, is that has, the question? No, the question <laughs> is why is why do you feel that his convictions are not in are not in the enough? context and what we're because given, he's which is, killing police officers and blowing up cafes. Yeah, again, <laughs> in the context of the film, it's a it's a war setting. I think I think though I, I there's kind the, of there's, there, 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 like the the first thing that happens is not the um, the uh, people of Algeria being crushed under the yoke of uh, colonialism for a hundred years. 
that doesn't happen in this movie. Nor, 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 nor is there a like an Amritsaris style uh, massacre in this movie. First, what happens in 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 this movie, and this is a story that the movie is telling, um, is 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 a, a um, police officers are shot. Interestingly enough, right, and this is this is the argument from critics of the film from Ebert in particular. Ebert's note is right. The argument is that the film portrays acts and atrocities and brutality on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. And that it presents them both on garnish. So you have, for example, the shooting of police officers. Then you have the demolition of the, the building with the people in it and mm-hmm. the bodies being pulled from the wreckage. Yeah. You have the assassin, you know, the planting of bombs in, in sort of civilian areas in French occupied. And you have obviously other stuff like that. And you have this sort of tit for tat stuff. And the yeah. argument is that like you depict acts of brutality on both sides. Ebert's pointed out that what typically happens is that the music... In Morricone's score, which serves as to sort of put its finger almost on the scale of audience sympathies, tends to lie, generally speaking, more with the atrocities com- committed against the civilians. So the, when the civilians are pulled from the wreckage, you get like that wailing, you get yeah, the, you the get, tragedy. Yeah. Whereas when yeah. the police officers are killed, it's just, it's, it's either it silence like on there. It's like it's pattern you're listening to. Yeah. Like um, when, 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 when they're murdering uh, police officers and uh, civilians. And there's a, like like it's it's as if it's as if there is a cultural war, and the the cultural war is between the the Casbah and 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 the European and the uh, yeah. uh, uh, city. Then and 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 what the European uh, city represents is colonialism in 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 the guises of nice Porsche cars, uh, fine suits, mm. and jazz, and so. Bombs, kill, um, right. like well, it's Just, it's it. I I I found that's that's why I wrote like I think I hate this movie because it's so distasteful. I I I can't. And war isn't. Battles aren't. Bombings I mean, aren't. Yes, they are. I, exactly. Here, that's well, here, the point. I mean, no, there's, there's no point there's, in there's no point in trying to uh, demonstrate these things if they're not going to be at least somewhat distasteful. I, I mean, that'd be just dishonest. I would argue that, like, okay, first of all, a quote from uh, Ponte Corvo. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Ponte Corvo, yes. Ponte Corvo, uh, where he's, he's discussing the film's sympathies, and he says, So many critics see the Battle of Algiers as propaganda, but in the scenes of death, the same religious music accompanies both the French and Arab bombings. Uh, I'm not entirely sure I agree with that, and Ebert doesn't either, but he says, I'm on the sides of the Arabs, but I feel compassion for the French, even if historically they were at fault. I do not say the French were bad, only that they were wrong. Um, and, and so he does, he's very much anti-French. He's very much on the side of the Algerians. Yeah, it's it's funny because he is, seems to be making, the, the, the attempting to make the point that he doesn't have any sympathies and revealing his sympathies. <laughs> At the same time. But here's the, here's the thing though, right? And when you're talking about like the lack of attention played to the point, say, radicalization, right? Which is that if you tell the story of his radicalization in anything but the broadest of strokes, right? Which is yeah. which is that you say that he went to prison while in there he was radicalized. If you tell the story in a way that explains his radicalization as something if that you is give ra- it more detail, no, basically. But if you say that it's something that seems rational or that makes sense, you are implicitly endorsing it. Yeah. And if you say, on the other hand, if you say, if it's you ha- such a sorry, go on ahead. But the other hand is that you you argue that like the. 
that violence is inherent to a particular person in that like it takes a particular kind of person to want to lob bombs at people to plant bombs to murder children and to murder parents and that is also a political statement because it argues that you know if you were to put any person in a particular situation that they would not respond in that way the film consciously avoids answering those questions and I, I think that's fair I I and because I, answering those questions takes a very clear side it says either yeah, this terrorism I, is rational or it's or it's, the it's, occupation or there is trying I, to get out I, of rational it's, I, un, you know. I understand why maybe maybe Phil are, are are the makers of this movie appreciate the um ambivalence but they they, they it's 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 like there 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 are no substantive philosophical um disagreements in this movie yeah. because there are no philosophies in this movie there there there's there there are, <laughs> there are people who are asked to do things and therefore do them without any context of why they're doing them and 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 there's the and and, and, and there, so the colonial forces is just like we're 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 here we're here to keep the french in algeria because the french want to be in algeria and 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 the and the FLN uh, members are like um, I'm I'm going I'm I'm going to die for um, for uh, the liberation of Algeria because I was asked to. It's 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 but it's the, 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 on both sides. But it's, it's there's not, not there's there, it, it's taking all of the actual like, the context out out, out 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 of history in a way to make it more kind of like uh, fair and represent the bleakness of it all. But at the like, same the, time, like the, the debate about those that philosophical abstract debate doesn't take place in the Casbah or in the European city. That debate takes place in Paris in the halls yeah. of power under De Gaulle. That's where you tell that story. Like Matau, very. And you're right that it's a very cynical perspective. Um, I don't think it's unfair, though, to present something like this as something horrendously cynical. This is like this sort of violence on both sides is an incredibly cynical and brutal. I act can that... imagine. Yeah, I know this is an Italian movie, but I can imagine the kind of like uh, French intellectual who's like, ah. Oh. Oh no no le vie est merde. Well, I put it just un blague. Well, it's funny you mention it, that there is a reference to uh, Sartre writing yes, against yes. the occupation in but, the film. But I mean, but at the same time, that that argument about Sartre writing against the occupation begins like ends with with Matau protesting like I don't why, like him, but, but I'd like him less as an enemy. But why the hell is he writing on their side? Why can't we have a Sartre to justify all, what we're doing? And like, but that that captures. I think that, and you're right that the film. That's what Camus is for. <laughs> but it does capture the film's ambivalence. It's worth noting, first of all, what the film almost was, because this is kind of interesting. Because the film was almost very, very different on two different levels. Yeah. First of all, I suspect Phil already knows this, but the original plan was to cast Paul Newman as the lead in this movie. As an American, as what, as I what? guess they saw Exodus what? and thought it was done quite well. Yeah, as an American, no, he would have been an American paratrooper, wouldn't he? Landed and basically got drawn into this chaos um, as it was unfolding. Right. And I'm now imagining what well, it's better than asking him to do a, to dub an accent. But the idea was this would be a big starry oh, vehicle. A, by the way, sorry, sorry, no, no, no go go on ahead. Um, and then basically, when when Newman pulled out or when they weren't able to get Newman, they basically decided to try something a bit more naturalistic. Yeah, man. But they, but they also uh, then recruited um, 
the uh, Sadi Yasef, um, mm-hmm. who basically he wrote the original draft of the script. To be clear, and it was a pure propaganda. Oh, piece it was for, absolutely going to be pro Algerian, one hundred percent. It was. It was basically his biography, and you like you read quotes from him. He's like, "I thought I could go to Hollywood and tell my story." That's the movie I want to see. Really? Yeah. No. And and I've... and the 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 um. I I I've I've I feel I feel like this is such a strange movie because it it's like there there's no um true a hero. coherent point of view. Um, I and think, the, 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 I think it's lack of point of view. Is a point I think of view. it's a strength. And it, is, it itself could be a point of view. It's it's, it's, it's a, a non it's an omniscient almost point of view. Well, I mean we're be, coming at it from no content with no. Well, it, unless you read no. about it, yeah, okay, you may be coming out with no context. But. It, it feels like the people in this movie aren't people. They're they they. It's it's just the physics, <laughs> like ever things things kind of happening and bouncing you know. off one another. Yeah, and I think that's that's one view of history. And it's ironic we talked about Forrest Gump last week, which was basically the great man theory of history writ large, but with an idiot. This is, in some ways, like the exact opposite of that. This is... There it is, is no... It's good for one thing. Okay, well, no, no. But you've got the, the bouncing and the reaction, the idea that there's no autonomy within this sort of context, in that once these things happen, they tend to escalate and they create cycles of violence, hmm. which is the word that Mattel uses, and which we've become used to and inured from reading news coverage. Cycles of violence, where violence begets violence begets violence for generation upon generation upon generation. And... and like while it's a very bleak view and while it's not always the case, I think the south of Ireland has been very, very lucky in that we've managed to avoid that. Yeah. I think you look at other places in the world, maybe just even up north even in the up island. North of Ireland. But yeah. if you look at other regions of the world you see how that begets itself. You see how no, you can Palestine. Look at any conflict over basically territory. You cannot explain the, the, this like, isn't a pacifist movie. It's not it's not it's not presenting any 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 side who have any alternative to what's to what's happening. It does. Like Matau says you want to remain in Algeria, this is you what have, it takes. You have the, to accept the consequences. The response well, is he's a pacifist. <laughs> yeah, he naturally yeah. is. The response to that is don't be in Algeria. Yeah. yeah. Like the the response to that is to pull out of Algeria. Who, who has that response in the movie? Yeah, the people, the 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 maybe maybe I'll get off this point for a bit because the 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 thing that's pointed to about this movie about why it's go so so good. And by the way, there's lots of things I like. I think I've said that I I I, I quite like Matt, uh, Colonel Matthew. I also quite like the score by Ennio Morricone. I think. I think Roger Ebert's right to um, suggest, to suggest the, the sympathies of the score and it is perhaps something problematic or maybe undercuts what people are claiming the movie is. But uh, when, when, when it comes to the technical strength of this movie, I think it's strange that this is kind of used as an example of, 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 of filmmakers of a great technical accomplishment because there's a lot of technical flubs in this movie. And, and the, it would seem strange... Given that, like, this, this, what, 1967? 66. 66? Um, do we think this is a good technical um, uh, if you're movie talking about by maybe, the standards of 1966? I mean, if you're talking about, like, problems with, like, the ADR or the... The dubbing is terrible. Like well, the, yeah, but... The, yeah. Go to but the, countless this movies. This, this, dubbing this, in this, Hollywood movies. This, this is a technical a accomplishment with terrible dubbing. <laughs> there is, there's scene, there's scenes where... Um, there's kids looking at the camera, miming a cameraman. 
like at at spiraling. There, so. there is there is so it's been <laughs> held up as a technical accomplishment. At the same there is a scene where a bomb goes off and somebody walks over to the ground to lie down as if she's been um, a a victim of said bomb blast, and that's in the movie. But at the there, same time, there, like there is there is there is there is scenes where in the same shot you have you have a cut where a person is there and then not there. And this is 1966. It's not and like 1932. It doesn't have to have a perfect flow. No, but the, the, this is held up as a technically accountable for time, other reasons. At the same for time, Jurassic Park has a sequence in which you can see a hand reaching into the frame it and manually adjusting. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> You know, this isn't. This isn't everything. This isn't you know everything that's wrong with the Battle of Algiers in an hour and, and, and a half. By the way, podcast. we watch we watch that movie. Um, <laughs> Andrew's pitch for Battle of the Year, where it's like it's more dinosaurs. <laughs> that's it. You can you can get the movie but, if you add a T Rex. We saw we watched that entire scene. I think we even paused it. I couldn't see the hand. All right. Well, we'll yeah. include it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. But um, the not so invisible hand. I think though, when it's held up as a revolutionary accomplishment, it's more in terms of say its use of handheld footage, its integration, its faux documentary style, which exactly. inc- which includes storytelling elements like the voiceover, the close-ups, the lack of of like unnecessary expository dialogue. There's a certain the lack of min- I suppose, glamour yeah. to it. Really, it's why there's an argument about whether or not this is really an example of third cinema. Interesting. Uh, uh, continue, please. I, I, I have no idea what you're... Okay, basically... Uh, how do you pronounce... How, how are you spelling that? The third. <laughs> T-H-I-R-D. Okay. Very. So... Sorry. sorry. Okay, the idea is that... <laughs> the third... I just got that. That was mean. <clears throat> so basically, the idea of third cinema is that it's cinema as a revolutionary tool. So it's called third cinema because... It comes from first cinema being mainstream, blockbustery, whatever. Second cinema would be art cinema. And then this is something where you come to third cinema and that's supposed to be more didactic and more about something, about a cause, about a, trying to deliver a message. It's like... Um, like it's, a Ken Loach movie? Yeah, I suppose in a way. But the thing about third cinema is one of its kind of... Um, one of the kind of tenets would be that it would be made outside the perceived system in which first and second cinema comes. Yeah. And in a way, Battle of Algiers goes a lot towards being third cinema by the fact that it was uh, produced uh, outside a given filmmaking system. It's um, largely funded by the Algerian government. It is. It costs something like 800 grand to make and made 1.8 million worldwide, which is a phenomenal box Fun office result in 1966. For a film that isn't even in the English language. And it led to, uh, I think his next project was a film with Marlon Brando, if I remember correctly, that became its own nightmare. Yes, um, uh, Pontecorvo did not have, this is by far the film he's known for. Um, he's um, He didn't quite capitalise or parlay the success of this into no. a long-term career. What does that tell you, though? <laughs> like, well, it tells me that he had the misfortune of working with Marlon Brando on his next film. Um that was uh, Kemada in 1970, 1969. Um, so did Stanley Kubrick and... Uh, sorry, no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola Francis repeatedly. Francis Ford Coppola repeatedly, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, the, the, the thing is, though, like with regards to this, and interestingly enough, right, because let's talk a little bit about this. One of the more interesting 
aspects of the film is how it in some ways almost seems metatextual. Obviously you have, for example, a terrorist who is playing a terrorist in a film that is derived from his initial first draft of his memoirs. Mm -hmm. uh, but it also has this recurring notion of the idea of a terrorist and, and like of a war involving terrorism is something that's played out in the media. And it's telling that, for example, Matau, when he arrives, he's snapped anyway, on, he's it, caught on I, camera. It, it, Phil, just, just say that one okay. time. What's that? Uh, um, Matthew? Matthew. 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 Apologies. Because uh, there's one name Matthew, Matthew, Walter, I Matthew, think of Walter Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Walter Matthew. Yeah, Matthew. Matthew then. You think France should stay in Algeria? <laughs> Balls. I love that. Look, we should just have various celebrities reading that line from that press conference. Um, if you think oh, France should stay. Okay. Oh. Um, but yeah, so. Always in the park. Matthew. 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 So, Matthew. Um, it's constantly seen. I'm sorry, I being... corrected you. No, you're not at all, Matthew. Oh, well, if it's... you didn't, I might have. Somebody would have eventually. Okay, <laughs> the Colonel um, is uh, is repeatedly seen being like photographed and having his image taken. Like when he's doing the briefings, he's standing with his hands on his hip, wearing his sunglasses indoors, posing for pictures that he he's knows. He's a poser. That... He's he... completely a poser. He is a poser, <clears throat> but he's also like, for example, uh, when they when they bomb the the building and they kill um, they kill basically the point. The first people he sends in are the cameramen. Uh, to capture that on screen. Uh -huh. And you have this sort of interesting idea of like war being played out in the media where like he's, his primary concern is, well, he's obviously concerned with how he wages the campaign. But, but he's also... How will this look back in he's Paris? He's also very engaged with the narrative of the war that he's fighting as it's being fought. So he's engaging with the press. He's talking about the lack of a satra. Also directly on, with the people. Yeah, on his side as well. Of Algiers. Yeah. But that kind of then feeds into the point where we're talking about a film that whose narrative is quite loose. Where you have somebody within the film trying to impose a narrative on it. Indeed, the two and, sides are trying to impose a narrative and, on it. And you're right when you, when you point out that he's the, he's the only professional actor in the cast trying to impose structure on the film from within it. Which I think is quite and a there's nice a, There's a great scene in it where he's, try, where he's actually trying to not only create a narrative, he's actually trying to create a film where he has footage of a uh, police checkpoint. Yeah. And he's just saying that all the cell. It's trying to. They're trying to see if they can identify any potential terrorists from it. And they say he says all it shows us is uh, the inefficiency of police uh, techniques. But at the same time, <laughs> one of the bombers. It's actually on screen. <laughs> it can be seen in there, and it it's wonderful because he's trying to again. He's trying to create a certain narrative, and yet we as an audience, even though we're nominally working with less structure have much more of the story. Which is, is remarkable. And I mean, you could argue that even like the film sort of, and again, this is something that, that I'm not, you know, you can't really credit to the film because it was, it was created in 1966. But in the context of everything that's happened since, it feels almost sort of prescient in that you now have like terrorism and like the war on terror that is fought. And I mean, you could argue that like Vietnam, for example, was the first war fought on television. Mm. Uh, you could argue the Second World War with its propaganda films was about imposing narrative. But these days in particular, you have this battle of a narrative between like terror and the war on terror in particular. You have the idea of terrorists almost as auteur, where they are, where you have these horrific acts that are staged mm. like media spectacles um, that are designed yeah. to be snapshotted and shared and spread and go viral and like shared and announced online in a way that like makes the war a media event or like a yeah 
And what's scary as well is just how some of the techniques that they might use haven't changed very much. There's a scene later on in yes. film where the terrorists use a, a, a an ambulance to shoot at passers-by in the European quarter and uh, or eventually ramming some down. Um, have, we've had how many attacks like that? In, in the past in couple of years. Um, yeah. Not even in, in, just in France. I mean, in Germany as well. There's a few yeah, places. States. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a lot in this... Toronto, I think. London. Toronto was another pound yeah. attack recently. There's, there's a lot in this film that feels very prescient and timely and still feels very relevant. And not just like politically this idea of like the legacy of colonialism, particularly as it applies to populations. It's the basic acts of yeah. violence themselves. Yeah, which is, is remarkable in that like the choreography... It seems like maybe the rhythm has changed slightly, but the choreography or the is the method same. of spreading the story has changed, but the it's, basic methods are still. So same. yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, <laughs> this is. I think of, that's that's the conclusion here, ladies and gentlemen. You've got it in a nutshell. Well, good night. <laughs> but I, no, I'm I'm I. It is pro- probably not one I should have said before the spoiler zone. It's not one to watch with a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like it's. Uh, oh, by the way, to to be fair to uh, Pontekova. And again, I apologize. This podcast is just as structured as the narrative that we're sort of <laughs> discussing. He actually, to be fair, directed the Venice Film Festival between 1992 and 1995. So, you know. And he won the Golden Lion there with uh, this film. For this film as well, at the yes. very start, it sort of declares that. But I mean, I think there's there's something very... I'm very proud of its rewards. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> these films do that. These you are... see, always see it when they win at a can or something no, like that. They what? They yeah. put it up at the... St- okay. They tend... But because... They're, particularly because they're smaller films. And particularly because they're smaller films that need an audience that I want no to... I no doubt Nicholas Winding Refn it's, had that Best it, Director Prize at the front of Drive. Yeah, if you wanted to. Like, it would... And particularly, yeah, promoting. It's important at the start of the movie that they tell you what you're meant to think of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> and that you know that if you've watched it and haven't reacted the way the, the um, jury... At Venice Film <laughs> Festival have then you must be <laughs> sorry excuse me then you must be forgetting something I you must be silly you choose for that I, d- I, I, do. I said forgetting that's exactly what you said but I, I do I think that well first of all those are small independent movies because this is an independent movie as Phil pointed out this is a film that was not made to the standard distribution channels and couldn't have been made to the standard distribution channels can you imagine 1966 pitching a movie where it's like we're going to make a movie about revolutionary war and you're like eh, I'm already sceptical and there's not going to be a good guy. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm out. Um, yeah. have you, can you at least get Paul Newman in it? Um, <laughs> but yeah, the fact that you, if you're a small movie like that, having those prizes is a big deal. And so you put them in front of the film. I suspect that they're there from the earliest prints. I suspect yes, that like, would be. it's a legacy thing. I think like not in 2018 when they've remastered it, they're like, by the way, just want to say, in case you haven't heard of our little film here. Well, it, it's yeah, and it's it's it the extent to which there is no uh, bad guy. I mean, you talked you you talked about how the um, separatism and the colonialism are both a uh, product of colonialism, but you you see you see the way you say you, you see the way it works the other way around because the the um, there's there's the uh, race course where a an innocent child who's who's working at the race course becomes a victim of the, uh, the mob French, survivors uh, colonists 
but also a victim of the um, the people who uh, who planted that bomb because they've created the immediate anti-Arab sentiment. Exactly, yeah. and they found the, the the closest Arab they could find. And th- but that's and, 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 and that's and, what they feed off. They need these circles of violence to keep perpetuating themselves. That's how this whole thing works. Well, I mean, that that's the situation in Iraq at the at the moment. Like there are there's elections happening in Iraq at the moment where what remains of ISIS in Iraq is desperately trying to stoke you know, like fears and, and sort of and this sort of secular not secular sectarianism um, around these particular issues that is designed to alienate the, the minorities from one another and to disengage them with democracy. Like one of ISIS's big objectives is for the Western world to fear uh, Muslims is, is basically like the best thing that could have happened for ISIS was the election of Donald Trump because mm. it allowed for this sort of like disintegration of society it allowed people to point to and go look they will never accept you he is they will, Islamophobe yeah, and they, he makes no bones about it yeah but they, they will never the western world will never welcome you these people will never think of you as an equal they will never treat you with respect that's a huge part of what these groups do. Yeah, well, that's the way to set up a caliphate is is yeah. is to say uh, we we need, we need a caliphate because yeah, if if <coughs> the, the 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 rest of the world doesn't um, doesn't accept you, doesn't want you. So I think that there's something very telling and very effective in that. I mean, there's also even, for example, the way like Matau fudges the distinction. Or, sorry. Matthew. Matthew um, fudges the distinction Yellow. between torture and interrogation, which is again something that seems very pointed and relevant. Exactly. In the I, I like how polite the, the press conference is. Is like um, we seem to be asking indirect questions. You're, which means that you're giving indirect answers. It's not your fault. It's ours. Um, I, but, but I, I do but, like. I do but like. Let's that. be honest. Is this torture? And it's like I won't say torture. I will say we do interrogate them. No, it, it, it's, even, of, it's even more it, than that. It's, it's like the guy who stands up and who has this big spiel about how, you know, if we, we are going to... ask them to torture. Yeah, but the whole point is that, like, he stands up and he's like, uh, you know, if we're going to be direct, we should be direct. If it's gonna, we're going to use torture, we should use the word torture. And then he sits down and, and Matau is like, uh, so um, I'm sorry, I didn't catch a... Did you have a question there? And the guy's like, no, no question. It's like, okay, next question. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, but again, this is... <sighs> You were saying earlier this film got banned in France for about five years. It's no wonder because there, it's not. It's it does portray France as in being kind of a conundrum over Algeria because these are French journalists. Yeah. So on the one hand, they could call out the torture, but on the other hand, they could that could be seen as being you know against well, the cause. It, it should it should be pointed out by the way that like and it's not just like French journalism here like to pick for example the Vietnam War one of the issues with the Vietnam War was that the press was seen as initially being on the side of the US government and and that was part of one of the reasons that sort of led to like a bit of outrage and a bit of mistrust was that it took them until the Tet Offensive mm. when the media began to actually sort of turn around and ask the tough questions. Up until then, they accepted all the statistics that had been given to them by the Pentagon and by yeah. the government without any question, without any like analysis, without any insight. And They're like once, just once they started showing how many coffins and body bags actually came home from Vietnam. That's, that's what changed it. And again, yeah. that's that's the issue of maybe narrative because narrative. And again, that's something I think the film hints at. I don't think it explores it as deeply as it might, but I think it's definitely there. Is this idea of like narrative as something external, something like. Andrew's right when he says that this is a, a really cynical, bleak, almost nihilistic film, and that it suggests that in the context 
of a war zone, all that matters is the violence is going to lead to more violence. And like in the context of a war zone, there is very little that you can do to prevent that fact from happening and to prevent it from being, you know, perpetuated. But I think the film also alludes to the fact that outside of the fact that there is no narrative within the war zone, that there is no easy answers, that there is no logical like way of de-escalating the situation from inside the conflict itself, it does allude to the fact that you can try and do these things outside. So like the press are creating a narrative, but they're not creating a narrative for the Algerians. They're creating, they're creating a narrative French. for the French. And we, we never even go to Paris in this film, for example. But they're, they're, they're also creating... The, the army, the uh, Paris are, are um, preparing and presenting a, a narrative for the Algerians. And it's, it's, uh, they're, they're not necessarily lying either. They're kind of saying they're they're, they're saying like the the, the leaders um, of the FLN are, are, are of the FLN are um, have been uh, arrested. Some of them are dead. Yeah. The 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 FLN they're starving you. Yeah, yeah the FLN are starving you, you. They're subjecting you to misery, which isn't necessarily wrong. Not but again, it depends on the context, doesn't it? <laughs> it's a very specific manipulation of the situation. They are doing that because we've been oppressing you for a hundred, you know, for a hundred years or so. But you know, let's, well, let's, let's pass over that. But I mean, there's also like the wonderful shot I mean, there... of like the the wonderful sequence. And again, this is one of those sequences that doesn't do much in story terms, but plays very well thematically. Where the guys are, where the soldiers are marching through the streets, handing out like little baguettes yes. and drinks, and like to to win the hearts and minds, sweets to children. This is what France can give you. Yeah, and it, it it's really sad and pathetic because it doesn't actually accomplish anything. It's no, like, it's just one little brass band and a couple of mules and a couple of soldiers walking through the casbah, and it does look quite pathetic. It looks really sad. And again, like you could cut that, you would lose nothing because it doesn't yeah, change it doesn't anything. Advance an hour, I, I'm but surprised. It so much. I'm surprised this didn't have another scene either after that or at some other part of the movie that doesn't matter to 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 have um the fln going 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 around with with, with not baguettes but whatever the algerian equivalent is yeah yeah and 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 also like giving <laughs> the ethnic giving... stereotype equivalent of yeah. baguettes yeah i like that by the way i like to imagine the french were sort of on point we need something that says we're french and it's food it's like Okay, baguettes. We got baguettes. We are we are more than on we are more than on the point. <laughs> we are on la pointe. Yeah. Is, is it worth mentioning in terms of like the cycles of violence? As pointing out that Mathau was a member of the French Resistance um, during the Second World War, and he he himself points out that during the Second World War he was you know he was a freedom fighter or a yeah. terrorist. And uh, he, he it, says it, as well like they're describing us as fascists. They're describing us as Nazis. We were in the resistance. To the Nazis, but again, yeah. and and uh, like the the this this you surely is... should recognize some of the tactics that are working here, fella. Mm. Yeah, it does. But again, it's all about the kind of hypocrisies that are in place for well, this whole they're, they're narrative much, or lack thereof. They're much more effective than the <coughs> than the FLN. Are. They they they. Well, they, that's because they have the military might of France behind them. I, the, the FLN work with what they've got, and what they've got is a certain kind of. They've got great tactics. Like they can in, they can infiltrate the French quarter and plant bombs when they need to. They Which is, by the way, a really great sequence involving the, the women who are weaponized, who are basically used to plant bombs. Yeah, that but is, the tension in that is fantastic. 
fantastic. Well, I mean, it, it's fantastically directed, but even the idea of them passing, like bleaching their hair, not wearing the... the I just... Is, yeah, I'm it's, sorry, but I, I, did, I, did, I just didn't get it. I did, like, um, you're you're watching these these um, these women kind of like, you know, like, oh, I, I, I hope they don't get caught. I hope they can yeah. murder all of these people who've done nothing. Yeah. But yes. They, they, plus... they, they, like, what is this movie? Then, um, uh, do, do, do people know what I mean? No, yeah, I, get, I, get, I get what you yeah. mean. I get, I, you're being put in the point, you're being made complicit in the actions of these people who are setting out to murder. But then again, that's, but that's something that happens so many times in so many great films. Think of Psycho. After Marion Crane is killed off, the only person we're left to relate with is Norman Bates, a schizophrenic murderer. Yeah, this is the kind of point of view well, Hitchcock, do- Hitchcock does that repeatedly where yeah. he, he tricks you into sympathizing with a character who is morally reprehensible this at the very least is arguing that you know it's that saying that they're all morally they're all morally reprehensible yeah. there is well, no non-morally and, and we don't have anything either to suggest what brought these uh, women to these this normal women but again, to the point they're... where they're going to kill a, a cafe full of Civilians, including other, children, other and the film it was shows like children suggested to them. It's like, um, so what you're doing today is you're taking a bomb. It's a short fuse bomb. It'll take so around twenty five minutes to kill everyone. So yeah, yeah. yeah you the, should, the devil um, is in the detail. This one makes it all these acts yeah, all the more horrific. And what makes it even more horrific still is what you're talking about. Is no you don't have anybody to latch on. No onto. contact whatsoever. Where, well, it, where it. it's it's not like I know this is difficult for you or anything. Would there be a, like? Like, but what what do you want? Do you want them to explain why they're justified killing children eating ice cream? Like I feel like you can't do. That. I feel like the film is saying you can't do that. You, you can understand. You can so understand. Who are these people that do these things well, in the real that, world? Well, can, to be fair, whenever a terrorist does let off a bomb, that's exactly what we think. Well, you who, can. Why you can, are they doing this? You can understand why they're doing it, but. To suggest that you you have to empathize, you can, with yeah, like, I don't no, know. You I do not have to empathize. You, you can. Yeah, it's a weird sort of a because you almost do, and then you're well, you like, do just have the basic because they seem like <laughs> normal people, but they're not normal people. They're mass murderers. Yes, and that's what they all. That's what the neighbors always say about serial killers. But they seem so. He was normal such to a me. nice person. Um, he kept to himself. Was very quiet. Yeah. But I mean, I think that. Like, but uh, this is just somebody who's going out like with with a the like um, it's not it's not it's not like a like like a serial killer who who's kind of like planning up these things. It's somebody who's given a package and said, "Will you please bring us to the cafe?" No, there's, mo- there's more planning to like, it than that. They know this is what they've signed up for. They know what they're going to do. And I mean, like I understand what signed, like what they've signed up for is 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 not really very defined. But I mean, this is <laughs> yeah. where we get back so to the whole point, which is that do. If, if you were to do what you're suggesting, why? Oh, something that happens off screen is probably going to explain this perfectly. What? But we're not going to show that because. Well, the reason that they do it is because people do it in real life. But the, if you were to explain it or justify it or suggest that it was something that you could morally explain or justify, you shift the weight well, and the just, balance of it. Like, 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 not that you're going to agree with it, but that you can understand. But you can the, understand the, intellectually. You can't really try and... Like, 
again, you can you don't get, you can see what you they don't do, get but where anyone in in, in 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 this movie is really coming from. Well, I think you do because it, it's a legacy of colonialism and a cycle of perpetual violence. Sorry, we have a legacy of colonialism, too. and we also planted bombs. Yeah, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm and I mean, I'm, I'm not endorsing I'm not, that. I'm to not be clear. going up to the six counties to to, to take it back. Yeah. Like, I'm, but I'm, then again, I'm not... we're we're at a post-colonial stage where we have finally come to our senses and realized that you know all the constant bombing and all the actions of whether terrorist groups or um, I think or a colonial power you know that we're trying to get past. That. I think even more fundamentally than that, though, like suggesting that the film can explain or articulate why somebody so, would do like, would do that like what the difference is between me and a person who throws a bomb like if i were put in palestine or if i were put in the north of ireland in the 70s would i end up throwing a bomb maybe well, i would the, but there the, were lots of people who did people don't Sorry. yeah it, most it, people it, don't it doesn't give you even the context of that you're 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 you're, you're coming to this movie and mo- mo- most of the people who will watch this movie will Will come to it knowing that there's that that there's a history of colonialism. Well, yeah, that's all. But it, but it, there, there, that that isn't really kind of there. There isn't any. Um, there isn't anything in the movie to 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 suggest that it's important that it was colonialism. Like the, 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 the Well, I think it's make it makes it just clear enough that it, this is a country that France uh, came to and invaded, and. I think That's the, the movie probably... easily could have been about Algerians wanting to kick out some other ethnic group. Like, the... the, the um, there's no... And, 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 and that... Yeah, that, um, yeah clo- but... Clo- Colonials, by the way, are a, 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 um, often a, an ethnic or a cultural group. In this case, well, the French. Yeah, in, 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 in this case, the French, yeah. And they're not the people who, who uh, marched in. They're, they're the people having like a cafe au lait. Yeah. Oh, Where, and, and, no, and, that's and, the point. And, if you're and, going to, and, if it won't. Like, but, yeah, but if they're going to like hatred, of, hatred in, of, the, of, of um, like a, a, a political difference with, um, with who, who, um, how, how, how a, a, a piece of land should be governed uh, translates so quickly into hatred of a people. It but does, and it I mean, does, and but I would argue that that's not something that you need explained with any understanding of history. You know that some people in that situation are inevitably going to turn to violence, and what the difference is between the people who do and the people who don't—that's the context for a different film. That's a film that would ask you to empathize with them, or to sympathize with them, or to connect with them, and would therefore not be a film. What not be what this film is at least trying to be, which is a film that kind of takes a separate standing above it or apart from it perspective, an omniscient point of view. That would be a more subjective narrative that would say, tell the story from the perspective of the person who is going through that process of radicalization. And I feel like if you do that, then you inevitably shift the balance even further. Like, it's quite clear the film's sympathies do lie slightly, and ever so slightly, yeah, it, towards it, the Algerians. But if you were to do what you're suggesting... the French as well. Which is... Yeah. If you were to do what you're suggesting, which is to explain, like, in simple terms, why these characters planted bombs. So maybe their husband was detained, or maybe their sister was murdered, or maybe their child was killed, or maybe, you know, they've just had a system of... Like, they've had a lifetime of these small little injustices that have built up, and they've witnessed oppression, 
action to and violence. Then take you, your pick. Anyone. Then, but you, if you do that, you shift the scale. You make what, what 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 we get in the movie is is the what 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 we're given instead because we are given something instead. We're all 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 this kind of uh, pointed out is Lapointe. What he's very handsome is essentially a scumbag. Like and and I know that's a very kind of reductive um, thing thing to say, but he he's he's a petty criminal who who becomes a um a, 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 a terrorist leader without without any like they, he's 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 a very he's useful yeah and that's all oh well, sorry anyway this but, be, but again this, in the context it's, it's just of the violence a, what more do you need oh I, I what what i don't need is to be uh is to be made the de- uh de- depressed there's nothing uplifting <laughs> Um, our, 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 our kind of educational, our, 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 in, in any way kind of edifying about this movie. You go away from it thinking, well, yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess life is rubbish. Um, and I, I suppose pe- people like those sorts of movies because darkness is death. <laughs> no, um, that's not no, fair. That is not fair. We've talked about this in the podcast before. There's occasionally an illusion that darkness is death, but at the same time, I think it's possible... For there to be movies that are both dark and good. I think saying darkness does not immediately equate to depth, you know, also doesn't discount the possibility that occasionally movies that are dark are deep. I think Paddington 2 is a glorious comfort hug of a movie. I you were going to say I, <laughs> extremely dark. Yeah, it's a really dark <laughs> horror. There are movies that, light, that are light and are great. That'd be okay. Say Paddington 2. Like, why not? Yeah, but th- that doesn't discount the possibility that it's possible for a film to have a very... Very cynical outlook and perspective, and still be a good film, and still, and yeah. I think this is, I think that it's the fact that its political viewpoint is bleak, bordering on nihilistic, doesn't discount it from being a good film, doesn't discount it yeah. from being a film worthy of attention, discussion, and doesn't invalidate what it's trying to do. Oh, absolutely not. Like, because I mean, what it's trying to do is prove a point for out of all this darkness is that it will only beget more darkness. And I mean that may not be an edifying point, but it's a very, very valid one. I mean, I, I look. I at... disagree. Okay. I... No, like, like I, 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 I believe that that there's substance and beauty in the world. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and neither Bill nor I are disagreeing. We're with not yeah. disagreeing. We're saying that these terrorists and the colonial powers are threatening to snuff all that out if they keep up what they're doing. Did you, did, did, they just are like that. that well, exactly. That's, that's, the that's uh, uh, just what they're doing. You you, you don't feel like um, anyway. Sorry. I, I, no, I mean I did, I, 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 I didn't enjoy this movie, and 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 I think the, this movie doesn't really uh, do a, a, a very very much to um, to bring um, anyone along with it. And 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 maybe 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 we shouldn't expect movies to to do that, but I do. So well, fair enough. Then we'll have to really <laughs> disagree on that point. But because um, this brought me along. Yeah, I I, I don't know if it brought me along, but I thought I thought it was I thought it was interesting. I thought it was insightful. I thought it was well made. I thought it made some interesting points. I thought it was an interesting way of approaching this sort of situation. I think that there's value in acknowledging that as much as we might try to sympathize and as much as we might try to engage and as much as we might try to like feel and, and engage and believe, 
in like the the emotional journey of, of people who do these horrific things there's also an element of accepting the fact that these things happen in cycles that these things beget themselves that they are the product of systems that they spiral out of That's control not portrayed by the movie i mean it, it, it comes from nowhere what comes from nowhere the 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 violence at the beginning of the movie we, we 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 come to the movie already knowing what 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 we know but it, the movie doesn't tell that story. But to tell that story, you'd have to go back to Cain and Abel. Yes, Darren. You'd have to go back to Cain and Abel. Okay, but you get what I mean. The, the argument is that, for example... No, no if you want to decode... I, 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 like, if, if you want to decode what's happening in, say, Syria at the moment, you can go back a level of abstraction and back a level of abstraction. And before you know it, you're going back to the existence of colonialism. You're exactly. going back beyond to, like, the tribal history of the region before colonialism existed and interacted with those elements and sort of catalyzed them and turned them into to something like toxic and something violent the same thing happens here where you have to go back to our tribal history where you have to go back to you know the high king of ireland and then you have to go back and look at our relationship with great britain and then do you look at the migration of the celts from europe and, and all this sort you of you can stuff. go back as far as you like but you will probably end up at Cain and abel where one person well, tried to didn't like what the other person did or had and killed them for it i mean i don't know like i i would be of a, of a perspective that the way the only way that you end something as horrific as this is by being willing to step outside of it. Uh, is being willing to move past it. Is being willing to accept that you will never bring it back to to what you want to a single linear, objectively verifiable cause that has a very simple, very logical, and very reasonable solution. Once you reach this level of conflict, the only thing you can do is step outside it. The only I thing mean, you can do is have Mathau receive a communication from Chirac saying, Colonel. by the way, we're having the Colonel receive a conversation from, you know, from not from Chirac, sorry, from De Gaulle, uh, De Gaulle saying, okay, stop that now. Stop that now. It's, it's we're done. Um, is to step outside it and to say, what's happening on the ground is just line under it. That's it. And end of, like... Uh-huh. You can't keep trying to trace it back and understand it as a series of cause and events, cause and effect, because if you keep trying to do that, you will drive yourself mad. There is no singular, objectively verifiable cause, because everything else has its own causes, and everything else has its, the variety of factors that act upon it, and the number of variables involved in causing it to happen. I think that the, of that, like, I think the film captures the sense of chaos and the spiraling chaos. Well, it definitely around. captures the sense of chaos. Say if you were to take heat and the movie starts with them taking down a van and and, and then walking away. And it's like, sorry, did they want something from that van? (laughs) But again, that's that's telling a different story in an entirely different way. That has a narrative focus. This doesn't. This is not interested in narrative in and of itself. It's the only... Oh, it really isn't. The only narrative (laughs) the narrative it's interested in is one that is far above... We couldn't tell story any time. story because then we'd have to tell the whole story. Exactly. Um, well, no, I think no, I think that, no, no, okay, I think that's thing you're making. Which, 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 which is, which is, uh, which is ridiculous because when you're telling a story, you can tell a story yeah. without telling the entire story. Well, that fine, is what you is do a, when you tell just, a this story. This is one film, one film that chooses not to do that. Yeah. 
I mean, like that's that's the main point. Is there are a million other films that will cover yeah, this sort of material, you, you, but you want it to be those. The, films. The, the, the the point about like oh, but when 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 do you stop? Is like well, when 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 you choose to. I mean, they, they, like yeah, they, but it's that, so much that's what being an choose. artist is. It's 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 how have have like kind of like sorry, I don't know what being an artist. Yeah, I, I, I shouldn't presume to know. But yeah, like choosing the kind of limits of your creation. But I think that there's also validity in making the point that sometimes things do not have those limits and sometimes those limits are artificial and sometimes those limits ultimately undermine or complicate or further beget this. And that like, I feel like it's a perfectly, I don't, do I want every movie to be like the Battle of Butchers? Dear God, no. Am I glad that the Battle of Adiers tells a story in this way? Yes. Do I think it's a valid choice? Yes. Do I think it does it in a way that is compelling and intriguing? Yes. I mean, that's that's sort of my takeaway from it. That's my sort of approach, my understanding of it. I agree. I mean, I concur with that. It's this is a film that takes what could be a familiar story, which was Yosef's original idea, and then which was basically a biopic of him, yeah. um, uh, and it sidesteps that and tries to say something different. And like you say, you could trace it back to... It could be a film that tries to trace back the r- roots of any given act of violence. But that's, therein lies a point. If you keep looking for the beginning, you might you probably won't find the end that way. I think that there is, there is something in that, in that the idea that pointlessness is almost the point of it. That the lack of structure is the structure in some way, shape or form. That it embodies what... I think what Kubrick was kind of trying to do with, with Full Metal Jacket, which was to capture the chaos, except this commits to that in a way that leads to perhaps a less satisfying narrative experience than Full Metal Jacket, because Kubrick never cedes the control, because he's always, he's he's always, always in absolutely in control. Whereas Pontecover is willing to cede a bit, you know, he, he's, he lets, it's like he lets the camera roll. It's where the documentary style comes into it. And he lets the camera just documents the events now there may be events that he is directing but by letting the camera kind of roll through them it gives it a much more free-flowing and chaotic feel and that is ultimately what he's going for the reality might be something staged but he's portraying it in a way that's much more chaotic and much more true to what he's trying to say i like the idea of this movie having backers so like the Ar- Ar- Algerian yes uh, though the, like, I once expected like, didn't quite get what they want where it's like so we yeah it's like okay what ideally what we would like is is a propaganda movie that basically tells the story of of, of, of this Jaffer uh, character from his point of view but if you can't do that do something that like makes no <laughs> um, just just like get across how meaningless everything is. Yeah. Because we feel like that's really going to help us when the elections come along, <laughs> which but, they won't. Um, yeah. so, uh, but, um, but yeah, so I, I feel I suspect this is something on which uh, Andrew, Phil, and uh, myself may never quite see eye to eye. I suspect so. I, I, I think it's quite possible that that as time goes by, I might, I might like, because I think, as I said earlier, like, this is the first time I watched this movie, and it's a challenging movie. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm reacting against it now. But, uh, like, in order to, in order to change one's mind about something, you need yeah. to be challenged, and you need to 
feel I guess uh, like um un- uncomfortable about it to mm. be exposed to something that you're that you're. I I do find something interesting in like the fact that I think Andrew sort of may have alluded to this after the film was over, but the 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 fact that I find myself more cynical about films like say. Um, a Chris, it's a wonderful life, for example. Right. Um, and I'm more sort of wary of that. And then when this comes along, which is arguably not not arguably, this is definitely a much more cynical film. I'm like, oh. hey, uh, I can kind of get behind this. I can see what it's saying. I think what it's saying is worthwhile. Mister Populous takes a holiday. I know. I'm on which, um, but is there? I kind of it reminds me of something that I think I was talking to Jay, who's been a guest in the podcast before, who would generally be considered one of the more cynical sort of people that we've had on, and his response was that I'm actually much more low key cynical than he is. I just hide I it agree. behind a much chirpier voice. I agree. Voice. I, I actually agree with this. So I wonder, like, is that perhaps, am I responding to the cynicism in Battle of Algiers? Because deep down, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a nihilist who believes that the world below deserves to burn. Absolutely. I, I <laughs> Unequivocally. <laughs> Unequivocally, yes. All, all this kind of makes me wonder where I stand sometimes. Because, like I say, this is one of my favourite films. But at the same time, as bleak as it is, it did lead to one of the happiest film-going memories I've ever oh, had. Please share. So about five years ago, uh, Ennio Morricone was in town. Oh, and he did a public talk in the Lighthouse Cinema. And I went along the night after the concert, which was fantastic. But anyway, he's talking about... Somebody asked him a question about his maybe his process and whatever. But through his interpreter, he was talking about how... He started talking about how he came up with, say, a theme for the Battle of Algiers. I thought, my, my ears were all, already picked up. But then suddenly, okay, this is the maestro talking about how we came up with music for one of my favourite films. This is this is bliss. This is absolute heaven. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Aww. And I could and I knew exactly the theme he was talking about. He was basically Ponte Corvo was asking him to try and come up with a, a mean theme for the film. I think it's the one it's the theme for Ali. It's the one that plays over the closing credits kind of. I, I don't think it's quite that one. It's well, I suppose there's actually quite a surprising amount of light motifs in the film. Uh, having rewatched it it quite surprised me. But in any case, the, he said that the way he came up with this particular theme is that he heard uh, Ponte Corvo uh, whistling it as he came up the stairs to his apartment to meet him. And having just eavesdropped on that, when Ponte Corvo came in, Morricone just played it back for him on piano and uh, the director said, that's it, that's the one. <laughs> so it's basically a little bit of ego massage, but it works really well because I think one of the few things we seem to actively agree on when it comes to this film is the effectiveness of the score. And I mean, I think there's an argument made the score does impose a structure that the narrative is consciously avoiding, which is a very exactly. clever way of approaching it. And, and you, get, you get militaristic drums anytime the French army appears. You get, uh, there's this there's that particular leitmotif that plays when, uh, in the aftermath of both the, uh, bombings. the bombings. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it does. It, it offers something that an audience might cling to. But Even, indeed, for some audiences, it just might not be enough. Yeah, and, and, and like I, I, I think um, if to be clear, if 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 all movies were as good as uh, this, I, I mean, we'd 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 be so lucky, hmm. you know. It, it, it's 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 just not. Uh, <laughs> no, like like the, if it was just if it was just the um, the score, I mean, you'd come away from the movie thinking. Wow, I really like that score. There were some other things that I didn't like about it, but what a score! <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah. I mean, and that—that's probably part of it. I mean, as much as I joke about being low-key cynical, 
I probably wouldn't like it if all movies or even most movies were like this. But mm-hmm. I, I like that this movie is like this, if that makes sense. I like that the you movie... You make it sound like it's one of those films that if it didn't exist, someone would have to create it. Yeah, or, or that there would be something lacking and, and you couldn't quite articulate what it was. Mm. You know, it, it's one of those things that even in its flaws, and I, I think that, like, if, if we're being honest, I think that, yeah, the narrative is, is a little shaky. And not the narrative is a little shaky, but there's there's some issues around... Continuity, Continuity, maybe. perhaps. Yeah. And as Andrew pointed out, there's a sense that, like, that maybe it's not the most professional production in the world. Although I think what it accomplishes is astounding on what's basically guerrilla filmmaking style. And that's exactly what it is. It doesn't have to be. I mean, it has the budget to make something a bit more polished and a bit more professional, but this is actively what Pontecorvo is trying to do. He's trying to replicate a documentary style and try and apply it to somewhere you wouldn't expect it. Is there anything else in terms of the film that we haven't talked about that anybody wants to sort of discuss? Because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here, and I suspect, like, there are a whole lot of bits where it's like, this is an aspect of the film that I want to talk about, or this is like a scene. Because the, the movies, and again, this is, this is again, whether it's, it's, whether it's one of the, the most beautiful things about the film or one of the most infuriating things about the film, the film is constantly throwing out these little ideas and nuggets. And Andrew's right when he says that it doesn't like structure them in a way that feels like it's progressing a point as it goes. And, you know, I think myself and you are correct in saying that's a conscious decision. Mm. But I think there's a lot of rich stuff there. Like, for example, um, we got sidetracked into talking about like the women and their motivations. But even little stuff like the way in which the women pass, the way in which the women like ble- literally bleach their hair um, in order to disguise themselves. To, to make to themselves look more European. To, inter- inter- to, to sort of sneak into the European quarter. And the little small interactions that you see with them receiving from the Europeans along the way. Where you know the, the soldiers are a lot more polite to them than they are to the other immigrants. That there's a little bit of flirtation there that makes them uncomfortable. The fact that even in those spaces, like for example, the woman who's planting the bomb by the jukebox clearly looks uncomfortable she hasn't yeah. she looks like she's never danced before in that way but she's she's trying to emulate what she's seeing there's but a lot that, of... yeah that could be read in so many ways maybe she maybe it's a cultural difference or maybe it's the fact that she's carrying a bomb that could kill her who knows yeah. i mean but all those things can be read into it and i yeah. it's really it, enriches those seeds it's interesting the little cultural differences between her and the europeans like she's never danced they've never blown up a cafe full of <laughs> well, uh, I, innocent a, people well to be fair the the, um, art, the film to, to be fair the film does and again this is the thing where when I make these points, I'm playing devil's advocate and I worry that I come across as like a raving leftist or like a Marxist who's planning to burn down the system. There's the very good point that's made in the press conference, which again is where the narratives of the film are sort of formed and laid out, where Mathau, mm. where the colonel uh, invites basically... Um, you. Yeah, the, the character, the first person, the first leader that he's captured to give a little speech. And, you know, it's basically like this weird mutual appreciation between these two men, mm. despite the fact that they're, you know... They're, Trying to murder civilians on the other side. And then he's like, let's stop before we go too far. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, Oh, is that the end of the show? It's yeah. almost like something from like Wogan. It's almost imagining like them on Wogan. It's like, uh, remember that time we tried to blow each other up? It's like, oh, yeah, good, yeah, time. good times. Good times. And although we may have had our philosophical differences, I want you to know I always respected you. Uh, but <laughs> there is that sort of back and forth, but there's... The, the academic discussion that the guy has where he's like, you know, what do you think about putting bombs in baskets, giving them to women and planting them in sites? And he's like, well, what, what, do, what you do you think about napalming entire villages? So, and, sorry, did somebody napalm your village? No, but... <laughs> yeah, 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 and I, I think that's, that's a valid... It's, fair. A, it's a weird kind of... A, <laughs> of course, um, but it's it, like, what has that got to do with the price of milk? 
We haven't actually napalmed any villages uh, in like Algiers at the moment, and you can tell that the colonel is sitting there making notes saying napalm question mark. But no, I I think it's a broader point about like how we. uh, And again, this is where Darren, you know, feels like you know worries about coming across as like a raving. I like that Darren's talking about himself the third person, but where I worry about coming across as like a, a raving leftist or a Marxist who wants to burn the world down, where I'm pointing out like the you know, for example, the the conduct like. The outrage over terrorism, which is entirely justified, and then the response, which is to say, well, think about all the collateral damage and the people who die at weddings that are bombed like by smart missiles that are not so smart, and all the, the casualties that are inflicted on civilians in these areas by these vast military organizations, which I think is what the film is saying in a rather oblique and roundabout way. Mm. And I think that... Does the opportunity to say, like, the French have been... To like give some context, he says like it's kind of it's very much in the abstract. Yeah, He's it's taken, a ridiculously take, abstract. Taken point. it away from the actual conflict in which they're engulfed. Yeah, he's it's like he's arguing an abstract point related to the war that like the U.S. is currently raging in Vietnam because that's what you think about when you think about napalming entire villages. Mm. Um, and I think that like the film is. The film is making that point, even if it doesn't always make sense for the character to make that point, if that Mm. makes sense. I feel like he could probably have pointed to a more specific instance of violence, but the audience might go, I don't really get that, or I don't... Because, you know, my knowledge of the Algerian conflict is not so precise that he could say... Well, I mean, it might be equivalent to when a, a bunch of so French soldiers... So then you go and sit down and watch a movie about the Algerian <laughs> conflict to learn more about Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it all it all brings itself full circle. But I, I like that, that sort of... I find that aspect of the film interesting. Mm. And I, I think that there's a lot of small details like that that work very, very well. Like, yeah. for example... The use of, as, as we pointed out, the attempts of the French to like send messages over speakers and to like impose their narrative on the Algerians by saying, you know, well, the strike is hurting you and it's starving you. What's the benefit of this? Or yeah. telling you, you know, that you are loved and welcome while we are walling you inside these sort mm. of ghettos, like blocking your access to the rest of the city, putting up barbed wire. And meanwhile, probably the best uh, message delivery service that the Arabs have is uh, Piti Omar. The little boy who runs the errands for and brings the messages from like the heads of the FLN to their uh, to and reads them out loud. Yeah, yeah, which seems like a very insecure terrorist network. Yeah, um, but again, and it's it's interesting how much of and again, this is the thing where this was used as as a training video by like the IRA and I believe by the PLO and stuff like that. Mm. Even stuff like when when the colonel outlines the structure of the individual cells, which, again, is probably something that he himself experienced during the Nazi occupation of France. Uh, But this idea of, like, the insulation that exists between them. Like, a lot of this stuff, and a lot lot of what I found interesting watching the Battle of Algiers is how much of, and I know that this is just, like, general counterterrorism 101 and stuff like that, and I'm fairly sure that experts in the field were talking about this going back to, like, the 1940s, where they were dealing with, like, local indigenous resistances Mm. uh, in, like, Southeast Asia, you know, obviously in in maybe in Africa, and even in in Europe in Nazi-occupied territory. But, like, it felt fresh and interesting for me to see stuff in a movie from 1966 in black and white in which characters were talking about the logistics of fighting terrorism and insurrections in a way that you would see on a prestige like HBO drama today. 
I like that actually. Yeah. I like that aspect of the movie. Me too. The kind of nuts and bolts of like, how are we doing this? It's like watching a, any kind of say like a, a police procedural. It's just fascinating to watch people who are clearly know what they're doing. Yeah. Mm. And also just the fact that again, history seems to repeat itself. In that, um, you know, you're talking about how this is made way back when, but it feels surprisingly relevant and fresh. But you know, it's. Um, it's like a, a a wise man once said, you know, it's... Only fools walking. Russian. Only fools Sorry. Russian. Sorry, well, I beg Something like, but... Uh, Particularly but, to Russia in the winter. But more specifically, it's like, you know, you're talking about people who are trying to establish a kind of order through force on a situation that is completely unordered, but also through force. But, you know, it's compare and contrast. Again, like the wise man said, you ever notice how people don't go, don't nobody panics when things go according to plan, even but, when the plan is horrifying. Yeah, well, I mean, again, you can see the influence of this on the work of Christopher Nolan. Exactly, uh, Nolan being a director whose primary fear is admittedly anarchy. Um, so you can imagine that this is a film he saw as a teenager and was like, "Yep, yeah, this is going to haunt my dreams." Mm. But I mean. You should point this out in terms of this movie still being relevant. When I talk about this being screened at the Pentagon, it was filmed uh, at the Pen- sorry, it was screened at the Pentagon in two thousand and three as part as part of Iraq. just after the invasion of Iraq as part of a workshop on counterinsurgent strategies. Um, and it's kind of interesting that even after it was screened for all those people in that room, and even after, and I presume they weren't watching it for any sort of political moral equivalence point that we've been debating here. Hmm. They were watching it for the mechanics of like the colonel talking about how these cells are created and how these cells perpetuate and how you deal with these cells. It's the like, colonel's recipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the colonel's you, recipe just for dramatically. You can just imagine like the deck of cards of uh, Iraqi leaders yeah. ar- arising from that workshop. Yeah, arranged just, in that workshop. Workshop in the board mm. on the pattern. I, mean, I have one of those. Actually. Really? Well, they, um, at home in Sligo, a, a deck of cards with like all of the um, Iraqi leaders. They, there was like a deck of cards they used to give to the soldiers yeah, who went. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I feel like that, that may even, you point out that may have come from the briefing. That's where he's like, we need to make a thousand copies of these people's faces and hand them out to all of our soldiers. Um, and incidentally. What's a clever way to do it? Deck of cards. But it's also implied that that's part of how he manages to catch all these people because it's like once he decides he's doing it, it happens fairly quickly or it handles, it happens in a relatively short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, is it worth noting the ending of the film and the sort of what I, again, the endorsement of basic were moral... You not, were you not a fan? No, well, I mean, uh, uh, of, the, 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 uh, the, of the end of colonialism. Oh, fan. Because oh. it's in Sorry, I'm doing your job for you, Darren. <laughs> you're not very really punny today, there'd Darren. be more appreciation. But I feel like I've just watched a nihilistic study on how people are trapped in cycles of violence that will self-perpetuate and adorable children will get killed while eating ice cream. I'm not really in a punning mood. Yeah. Um, when, 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 when they were giving out the bread, did... did, did um, Let did, us break bread together? Did you think they should we be are panned? One. Oh... Sorry, that thing is just not my baguette, baby. But really? um, didn't even cause you to whine a little. Didn't tickle my French fancy. But anyway, sorry, that's not. That wrong. Sounds I, I don't wrong. know. I, yeah, I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry that I pulled us down this avenue. This little thread. Here. Well, if someone had to, but <laughs> I'm sure people who like puns have tuned out a long time ago. <laughs> this is one of the more serious episodes. There's a lot more shouting going on. But in terms of the ending, what I found interesting about it is the. 
And again, this is where, where we talked about the ending and how the ending basically has a weird little coda stuck onto it to the point where the end of the film provides more context for the film than the beginning does. Because it, it tells you basically after the Battle of Algiers, after you know the, the French forces managed to cut the head off the proverbial snake, the basically the it, Algiers, Algeria still ended up being independent, but the mm. resistance still managed to crack French public opinion to yeah. the point where the French eventually withdrew. And that's more context than you get at the start. You, you don't get an introduction that says, well, you know, before the film starts, now, now this that's Now, that's how you undermine a structure, ladies and gentlemen. But it, it's... Yeah. Um, postscript. Nothing that happened in this movie mattered. Yeah. But, that, that's, <laughs> like, but I mean, you say yeah. that as if that's not well, one not of the key themes of the movie. Like, yeah. I feel like that's a, a point the movie is getting. And, and this is where I suspect, like, this is a nihilistic and really dark and bleak and There were two tapeworms. Well, I mean, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> there were both hermaphrodites. They were yeah. without... How could you trust something that can literally go... <laughs> <laughs> Thank lovely. you, Andrew. That's a lovely image. But um, I feel like that's the point the film's making, though, is that like the French managed to win the Battle of Algiers. But they lost still, the war. But they lost the war, and therefore everything that you watched over the course of the entire movie, it does. It feels more. The violence does feel more pointless in that context. Yeah, and, and like it's something for a movie that was already really bleak and morally ambivalent and quite removed and never really emotionally invested in what's but happening again, to tell you that none of what you watched mattered at all. But at the same time, what the, one of the last shots is a scene of crowds dancing and a woman waving an Algerian flag around her. And it's quite a positive image. It's a, it's a, it's a, a happier, it's one of the happiest images in the film, incidentally. But uh, again, that that's tainted with the fact that to get there, you had to blow up cafes full of children eating ice cream. Well, yeah, food waste. It's a very... <laughs> there's the 250 trope. <laughs> it's a like, very, very thin sliver of light. I will give you that. But very thin. I, it's interesting. It's ironic that, like... And again, this is maybe why I am the more low-key cynical person on this podcast. Because Phil is like, that ending where it turned out that most of the movie didn't make sense, it still had a little glimmer of hope. And I'm like, No. It was, <laughs> it was. It just made the point that and all the pointlessness we watched before to be was fair, even the more pointless. Of hope only came from history because yeah. that is ultimately what happened. Yeah. Um, and again, yeah, it, it does. And I think maybe, maybe that's some sort of point. And maybe we're reading. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Oh, never. But never. yeah, I would never read too much into anything. We haven't talked about Freudian metaphors in the context of this film, uh, which is one of the great things about films not having stories or structures that Darren can't talk about Freudian interpretations or subtexts of the same. But is there anything else in terms of the film that we haven't talked about yet that anybody wants to talk about? Anything that we sort of missed or glossed over? Um, I don't think so. Um, at least nothing that I particularly wanted to cover. I feel like we could get the fan that's in now. You didn't talk about this when you talked about the Battle of Algiers. Well, if only I knew what yeah. this was. Didn't talk about this adorable little moment. They can kiss our hoops. <laughs> <laughs> this is free. <laughs> I like how Andrew has escalated from attacking the guests to attacking the, the listeners. Yeah, it's like, um, Andrew is rearing to go. This is one of those things like when we watched Dangal and you just wanted to wrestle for a little while afterwards. We watched the Battle of Algiers and Andrew's like, I really want to wage an insurgent war right now. Oh yeah. dear. Don't show him a serial killer. Don't show him seven, for God's sake. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll be watching Science of the Lambs, I think, this Halloween, which will be fun. <laughs> Andrew giggles at that one. But I guess with that... If he starts breaking out a needle and thread, just run. Run! (laughs) It rubs the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. Yeah, still not a patch on phantom thread as far as stitching 
Like, I'm doing the opposite. Like, we're constantly eating. <laughs> like, I think in uh, Buffalo Bill was starving. <laughs> I guess the only thing left to do then is to pick the movie that we're going to cover next week. So I guess the only thing is to ask Phil to fire up the... Uh, well, first of all, to ask Andrew to fire up the random number generator. Yeah, so, so Phil, if you want to push the button there and see what random number you come back with. Twist, twist, twist. Show us a movie on this list. And it is number 44. Ooh, nice. A relatively high one, actually, which is, is quite good. And it's actually on the list, unlike All this movie. Fours. And it is Back to the Future. Back Interesting. Because we just did Forrest Gump. So That's I think we've, right. no, we've knocked off our Zemeckis sort of uh, ha- uh, not Shall I duology. We're, we're, we're just casting them away. Uh, uh, oh. God, why am I doing this? But anyway, I'll be going to see what lies beneath us. Oh, I do like what lies beneath. So, yeah. that? No, no, well, I believe like great fact, fun. I like the fact that he made that as a stopgap. Really? Yeah, he made that while waiting for Tom Hanks to lose weight for Castaway. That's fantastic. Um, but yeah, neither of those movies is on the list. Castaway used to be on the list, but dropped off, unfortunately. I like Castaway. I like Castaway. I, I like a lot as much of... As, as much as I like any FedEx advertisement. <laughs> But I like I like a lot of Zemeckis films. I mean, there are some not great ones, particularly his animated ones. They're the Polar awesome. Express one is really creepy. Yes, it's it like is. somehow a it's world the dead eyes, isn't it? It's a world in which everyone is Tom Hanks. How is this a bad thing? But somehow it is. But um... <laughs> still, it could be worse. It could be Forrest Gump. But anyway, oh, oh, somehow you know Forrest Gump is higher on the list than this. Yes, I'm aware. <laughs> I like how you are. You're. Um... Perfect. So in that case, we'll... we'll t- <laughs> you like how he's perfect. So I do, do I like I how you're perfect. Um, so do I, yeah. Let's take a look at the Back to the Future trailer. Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Well, history is going to change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? He's sending Marty 30 years back in time. It worked! It's a flying saucer from outer space! Now, he's trapped in the past. This has got to be a dream. About to meet... Chocolate. ...his future father. He's a peeping tough. Wow! And he's making an impression on his mother. He's an absolute dream. And he can sleep in my room. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Now, he's got to make his mother and father fall in love. I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown... Can help him get back to the future. Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely. Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Back to the future. I kind of miss trailer voiceovers a little bit. Like watching that movie, you would have no you'd have no clue as to whether this movie is really really good, which is what it is. I think we all agree on yeah. that. Yeah. Or whether this is a really <laughs> terrible movie. Which I, I would watch the eighties. Yeah, it? I would watch that trailer and be like, that movie looks kind of uh, questionable. Yeah, it looks yeah. like it had a troubled production history. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm actually really really fond of that. I think you're really fond of it as well, Phil. I assume you're. Oh, yeah. 
It's, it's just a movie that's impossible not to love. So we'll be back next week covering that. And with a bit of luck, we may be able to reel in a special guest. I'm kind of hoping that we manage to get a special guest. I can that. think of one. I think we may have one guy in mind. But in the meantime, uh, listeners, if you are looking for a little bit of fill in your life, where can they find us? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. If you spot me in the streets, come wave, say hi, give me a hug, whatever. We really need to change this pro forma, plug your stuff. Andrew, where can we find you? <laughs> yeah, speaking of, like, um, uh, pe- 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 people who... Like, I don't mind plugging myself. It's a- A-Q-U-I-N-N-I-U-Q-A on Twitter. Um, I hate Twitter. Somebody managed to add me on Instagram, even though, like, I, I'm pr- pretty sure I was keeping that to myself. <laughs> Wow, okay. Do you want to advertise it you, you, you heard it here, people. He's on Instagram. So if am I, know. but if you can find me. If you can find him, you can follow him. Um, you can follow the podcast at the 250. You can listen to us online at Stitcher, iTunes, wherever good podcasts are not sold. Uh, you can follow me personally at Darren underscore Mooney. Um, I occasionally podcast on the Xcast and on the Scanlon podcast where we cover the week in Irish films. You can just Google us and find us there. Um, take it easy, guys. We'll be back next week when we're talking about Back to the Future. Bye. Bye. Bye.